Hello and welcome. We are Achievement Hunting 101, the podcast that, sorry, this action can't be performed this time. Try again later. Error 8015103. Oh, man. Too soon? Hits real close. That hits real close. (laughs) This is episode slash level 191. Uh, Kenny, your voice got very Oh, sorry. He got into uh, my it. name is Kush Moose, <laughs> aka oh, Nate. <laughs> I'm not Fufu, and I am a Chivaholic. Uh, <laughs> Kenny, uh, <laughs> Fufu Kenny Poof was not able to join us this evening, so please allow me to introduce our other two panelists for the evening. Our first panelist wants to boost Lost Planet Extreme Condition and Viva Pinata Trouble in Paradise. It's Big L. Hello, Kush Moose. Are you aware that you are telling people that you want to boost those games? I want to boost every game. I want to use console commands. I want to hack. Oh, wait. No, not that one. But yeah. It sounded like you were starting a song parody about less than, you know, above board ways to get achievements. I think that that might be something you need to return to. I want to play <laughs> every rat. I want to boost with my cat. Yeah, I could make it happen. All right. And lastly, but not leastly, <laughs> we have the gamer with the third highest TA in the state of New York, but is still the undisputed TA difference champion in puzzle game in the state of New York. Matrark, aka the puzzle master. And I have you to thank because every week you're going to find some puzzle game I didn't realize was on sale. And I'm going to add it to my backlog and eventually get that sweet TAD. So thank you, Koosh. Thank you for You're helping welcome. me secure that number one spot. You're welcome. It's my job. So not only are you a Chivaholic, you are a Chivo dealer. <laughs> Maybe. Well, you know, <laughs> if you want to stay in business. <laughs> one one informs the other. These games aren't going to buy themselves You're for opening me. Tabs. I have to go out and make the money. You're opening tabs for <laughs> others now. <laughs> uh, so let's start off the way we usually do these days with our topic of discussion. We ask these topics in the patron channel uh, of the H one one, excuse me, the AH one hundred one Discord server, and we read back our patrons' answers along with our own. Today's topic of discussion was asked and sent in to us by Jay Black, and he says RTDL has been trying to get me to go back and play my three hundred and sixty games. The non back compact games are the hardest ones for me to go back to due to long load times and in some cases having to find the disc. What is holding you back from playing slash completing your 360 games? Who wants to go first? I'll I'm going to go first. Okay, oh, wait. Oh, right. Wait. Matrox said it first. Who said it well, first? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Michelle, go. I'll, 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 no, I'll cede the floor to you because I have a story to tell. Oh. So no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my story. So I'll let you answer your questions first while I, I ruminate a little bit on the story I'm going to tell. So... Go ahead, okay. Al. Who's who, What patrons are you shouting out, and what is your take on the question? Well, I just wanted to state that uh, Jables asked this question uh, before uh, all of the things that we're going to talk about that you might have a story to tell about. But let's start with, oh, I don't know, uh, a Rutarek. Nothing's You'll get keeping- it right one day. No, that's how I pronounce it. That's how oh. it's pronounced. A Rutarek, a Rutarek. Nothing's keeping me from going back to the 360, really, but the ease of being able to switch between games and apps on the Series X certainly makes it a much easier system to deal with. If I want to play a game on the 360, though, I will. It's no issue at all to boot it up and play it. Oh, boy. <laughs> is it? Is that true? 
Northern Last says, the effort it takes to turn on my 360 and Xbox One original, which I play it through some t- uh, is, seems immense. But for some reason, I seem to intermittently lose some of my digital game licenses, which is frustrating. However, I do occasionally buy a 360 disc, which forces me to play. We really are spoiled now with the quick boot up and loading times. Absolutely agree with you, Northern Lass. The 360 is slow, and also it, it's noisy. It makes a lot of noises. Um, my Series what X about is this, quiet uh, and fast. What about this losing of the licenses that she mentions? I know um, what that's about. I know what that's about. Like, I mean, occasionally that happens with the arcade games. That definitely does happen right. where you boot it up and then it says that it thinks it's the, the demo. Right. I definitely had that happen. Uh. Right. So you'll get the message. It's like, if you want to play the full game, unlock the full game. And it's like, my purchase history says I bought this game in 2009. I should yep. be able to play the full game whenever I choose. And it's, there isn't a, at least not that I'm aware of, there's not a consistent workaround to make it work. I've deleted and reinstalled games. I've just tried rebooting games. I've tried to boot them up under different profiles. It just seems to forget occasionally that you own something. And in my experience, it's not a universal issue. It's it's specific games that will have that issue routinely. But I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head which games do. And one more I'll be reading is from... Huckle Huckleberry Tyler, it is hard for me to play 360 games for no reason anymore. <laughs> Most have been sitting for years. Piqued my interest uh, enough to buy it but not play it. So I could play a 50, uh, 10 to 15 year old 360 game or play something new I've purchased recently or it's on Game Pass that will look and hopefully feel better than a 360 game. Interesting, very interesting. Uh, my son, who's also named Tyler, uh, will do the same thing and say, Dad, why are you playing a 360 game? It's old. And then, you know, he'll watch me play some <laughs> right like a game that was released last year that looks way worse than 360 games. So it's all, it's all a matter of perspective, I guess. But I'm happy playing old games, new games. I could still play 30-year-old games. doesn't matter to me. But yes, I would say the biggest issue is just the low time of booting up the 360. That is number one. I think everyone has had that answer and that there are some small fixes such as deleting and reinstalling your profile, which works a little bit. Uh, You can try uh, putting your profile on a USB stick. Sometimes that works and speeding up a little bit. Uh, At some point in the 360 lifecycle, they introduced installing the disks. Uh, to the hard drive, which helped tremendously both to preserve the lifespan of your disk drive and also load times as well as um, the sound of the disk spinning the entire time. So that was a big thing for any of you uh, young people that didn't live through that. We had such horrible things. Um, As far as personal opinion, like I'll still play 360 games. I have no problem with that. I still have many to play, still have many AAA titles to play. Many of them are, of course, backwards compatible now, but not all of them. So as far as what is holding you back from playing completing games, yep, it's probably laziness like everyone else, putting the disc in, turning on the 360. But once it's on and, and running, the games work fine. It's not like they start lagging or, you know, going crazy. Although the occasional freeze does happen too. I got to admit, though, sometimes, and, and you noted this earlier when you were starting into the question, the sound, the noise my 360 makes, like, 
it sounds really bad, um, specifically with Orange Box, which is actually a game I have a little story to tell about. Um, but it's, for whatever reason, when I put that game in, it, it just sounds like my Xbox is about to lift off. And you don't realize, like, you don't really gather how quiet it is using systems that aren't reading off a disc the whole time until you're sitting there playing something where the disc is running the whole time. And I don't know if... I think I've heard that before about Orange Box, that that's kind of a thing with that game. Not every game is as loud, but it is so, so loud. You say it's like playing PS5, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like Ooh. the same, the same complaint that people... Don't, we don't shots usually fired, do pew, that. Pew. There's oh, no. no code, but shots fired. Pew, pew. <laughs> yeah, no code, um. no code. <laughs> <laughs> is that a uh, PS5 complaint? That is a PS5 complaint. The At least early on, they were saying that it's very loud. Huh. Um... It, 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 you know, they equated it or likened it to a jet engine, just like you were saying yeah, that's, yep. uh, for the 360. <laughs> so, you know, what's old is new again. So that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um. Well, are you set there, Al? Is it okay I'm good if I to take go. the baton for you? All right, cool. So to continue on with this uh, story about Orange Box, I, uh, as you, as I've mentioned before, I participate in random to-do list. And this month on my random to-do list, because I am trying to clear out that backlog a little bit. I drew five non-backwards compatible games, but that wasn't even the problem I had. The problem I had was a backwards compatible game, the orange box. And the problem was this. We are super spoiled by cloud saves, like super spoiled, right? You're, we're all gamers of the same age. Remember going to your friend's house and not having your like PlayStation expandable memory card with you so mm. you couldn't access your save? Um Remember borrowing a game from Blockbuster and it was a battery pack in the cartridge, so everything went bye-bye with it, and you had to hope maybe if you rented it again in the future, nobody deleted it on you? We're really spoiled by cloud saves. And I had put in Orange Box, I have a fairly easy achievement to go for that's somewhere in the middle of Half-Life Episode 1, which I have played start to finish, so I just need to do a chapter select thing. And I put it. I had to put the disc into my Xbox Series X because I don't have that game digitally. And I don't recall if you can or can't, but I don't either way. And much to my chagrin, there was no save data because it was locked up on my 360. But this isn't a problem because we're going to just turn on the 360 and copy that save right over to the cloud. We're going to play. We're going to have a grand old time taking grenades from Zombines. Uh, except... I got that error message that Koosh so nicely recited at the top of the show. So I could not access my cloud saves and uh, could not, uh, well, not that I could not proceed with my Half-Life achievement. I certainly could, but it felt a little backwards to replay the game when I knew the save was right there. So good news update. Right before we recorded today, I actually logged into my 360 and it did work. Uh, there ha There has been news oh, really? floating around that that issue has been resolved. And at least for me, it was resolved today. So you so, didn't do anything. It was, they resolved the issue. They resolved it. I didn't have to. Okay. And that's hopefully by the time people are hearing this on Thursday, anyone who's dealt with this, it will have resolved for you. Uh, as we know, with Xbox issues, especially this one, which never got like a status page update, it can be a little funky. But um, yeah, I just I went and logged in like I've been trying to log in. And this time it just popped me right into the console. And if I was smart, I would have moved every save to the cloud, but I only moved my Half-Life one, so I'm sure I'll regret that later. Uh, and as another side, I saw, I did not actually read the full blog post yet, but after we're done recording, I intend to. I saw Kronos wrote a blog about sort of the end of 360. He even said, like, 
something like a necessarily dramatic title or something to indicate that that's not actually what he meant. But it's kind of scary when you think about it that these services, we've complained about multiplayer services going down forever. There might come a day where just these 360 services go down. And if it's not backwards compatible, you're done. We're already kind of seeing that Windows Phone that's happening. Uh, Connect games, that's a thing. So anyway, that was my my little story. But back to patron stuff, because that's really who we want to hear from. So first off, I'm going to just highlight Dinoman87, who just said that he pretty much agrees with what Jay Black said about non-backwards compatible games that are hard for him to go to, uh, that Dinoman loves the 360, but it's slower, it's way slower than the newer consoles. And sometimes I get disconnected from live and they don't always let me know that, which I'm surprised Elden didn't hi- highlight because you know what happens when you pop an achievement offline? It doesn't count for very much, especially if you're into contests. So, and that, that mm. is an issue. Uh, L has trained me over years to make sure I smash the guide button before an achievement to make sure that I'm connected uh, so that I get credit for them. Yep. So that was an issue uh, with the 360. It was an issue early on with backwards compatibility, but it seems to have resolved. Uh, moving on, Captain, oh, Cap- I'm reading the current names. If you're in Discord, people change their names all the time. So sometimes I forget that. Uh, Chewy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chewy says, well, it was nothing insofar as having difficulty going back to 360 games because I was really enjoying random to-do list and better completions matter, getting me to go back and clean up 360 stuff. But then my 360 died yesterday and I was very sad. And now this question is making me ever even sadder. So thanks for that. But I think the update is Chewy has gotten a new 360. So Chewy's going to get back in there and uh, hopefully start picking up those old titles again. Uh, Echo, uh, KT Echo. <laughs> So this is, uh, I got I got to stop reading directly from the teleprompter. KT Echo says, before I joined Better Completions Matter, my plan for 2022 was to cut out my, to cut my non-backwards compatible backlog in half. Now, however, most of my game time is dedicated to optimizing whatever the current month's bonus is in Better Completions Matter. Non-backwards compatible games also seem to have lower ratios than you'd expect, so not valuable point-wise. And I think this is something also that Hawkeye Barry brought up. For contests, 360 games generally are not great. We didn't have as many options. We didn't have Game Pass. There isn't the sort of point inflation. So it does make them less attractive for contest purposes. And then um, also I want to highlight what Lego had said, which is also in this vein here. I'm happy to go back. There really isn't any reason why I haven't finished the games I haven't, be they on Xbox One or 360. That said, the issue with signing in on 360 is really ruining it all. Thought I had it sorted, but it's back a month later. At least I finished my Better Completions Matter game at the time. So this this issue, again, with the logging in, the profiles, and, and not being able to pull them down, this isn't the first time we're seeing it. I think this is a longer outage than the last time. Most of us don't check into our 360s that frequently. But this was a long enough outage that it affected a whole lot of people. So that's that's a little scary that that might be a thing that we're going to contend with. But I'm, I mostly agree with what everything that's been said. The slow load times are an issue. Getting up and putting in a disc is an issue. Uh, Just the ratios and things like that when you're dealing with contests. The 25-hour game is a 1.2 ratio because everybody played it at the time. I love my 360. I'm not here talking to you all without my 360. I wasn't an Xbox original adopter. Uh, So if not for getting that console, like I'm nowhere in this community. So I love it and I respect it. But I'm also kind of getting to that point now where I'm definitely going back to it. 
far, far less frequently. Uh, so with that said, um, what about you, Nate? What are you thinking on this one? Well, my thinking is we want to hear from the patrons before we get to my piddly thoughts. Um, <laughs> Retro Chief. Retro Chief says, I don't mind playing the non-BC backwards compatible 360 games on the 360 unless they are multiplayer. Then the added <laughs> hassle of getting a party on the one or Discord mm-hmm. is off-putting. Much easier mm. on the BC ones and just firing up a party on the one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, my setup, I, you know, I have a 360 and the Xbox One side by side. So it's very easy for me to have my wireless headset stay connected to the one. I don't have to worry about that. Back when I was gaming uh, in my living room, I had the bright idea and I had a Turtle Beach headset, which was uh, not wireless. I had the bright idea to go buy a 20 foot long USB cable uh, <laughs> and I would just plug it into my headphones so they would never disconnect. And that's how I was able to stay on party because other times I'd be in the middle of something and like, we'd be hunting zombies and all of a sudden I would realize that no one was hearing me and I wasn't hearing anyone. And and uh, that doesn't go so well when you're trying to coordinate. Because the controller idles um, out right? after a while. Oh, yeah, because your controller I- right. idles and then therefore, boom, your headset no longer right. is connected to the Xbox. Yep. So The new wireless well, headset. Yeah. It, right. Yeah. It doesn't do exactly that. what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. The yeah. fact that, that it disconnects from the controller, the controller. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you can just keep on talking makes that so much easier. Because usually, mm-hmm. yeah, that's usually when someone's uh, batteries went out, like that's you know you would they would go take uh, take out their batteries and you would go make fun of them while they were not there. But now <laughs> they can hear you if they have a wireless headset. When was the last time you used the 360 voice chat? Uh, oh, it's terrible. 2012? Oh, gosh. 2012? <laughs> I mean, right after right after the one initially came out, because not everyone had made the jump and more of your games were still on 360, there was definitely that, like, oh, it's just easier for us all to party up on the 360. And, man, the you didn't realize what poor audio quality we were dealing with on the 360 chats. It's really bad. A couple years ago, um, planting was running, I don't know if he was the main guy or if he was just facilitating, uh, a Turok boost. It was like a 24-player mm. thing. And so I think we actually had two parties on two separate accounts. And like he was kind of like, he had two headsets on, like one on this way, one on this way, kind of catty-quartered on his head so he could hear both <laughs> and talk to both. And he was kind of coordinating the whole thing. And it was horrible. Everything was like robocall, like roboting. And it was just, you. you'd have to hear something and then parse it in your brain. Mm-hmm. And it would be like a two-second delay where you're just like, oh, oh, you want me to press the A button? <laughs> you know, it was so bad. Yeah. So, yeah, there's got to be a better way. And for me, just partying on the one and playing on the 360, not a big issue. I hope everyone else can figure out their setup. Because using the 360 is horrible for voice. Logic Slayer, moving on, says, I try and alternate between old games and new games. This year, I have finished a kingdom for Keflings, a world of Keflings. <laughs> uh, someone's getting his props. Borderlands, <laughs> The Born Conspiracy, The Saboteur, and Wanted, Weapons of Fate. I like to think I'm doing pretty well. And I agree. That's a lot of good stuff, minus those kingdom games, those Kefling games. Um, yeah, I, I look at that list. And I'm like, I want to play Born. I want to play Saboteur. Or I want to finish Saboteur. I want to start Wanted. Yeah, that's a, that's a good list. 
Uh, Uncle Beast, he says, I'm pretty good about balance, but my biggest issue in general is just such a large, intimidating backlog to sort through, both started and unstarted titles. And, um, yeah, I think for me, that's, that's probably the biggest thing that's keeping me from doing my 360 is that front and center, I've got all these Xbox One games and I've got a huge 360 backlog. And trust me, I love those games. You know that I do the, um, you know, the licensed games, those things are old. They haven't done a, a new licensed game in a while besides like the Hotel Transylvania games and stuff like that. But the heyday of the licensed game was like so far back. And those games still look pretty good. So it's it's not a graphical issue. It's not really the, the spin up or any of that stuff. Uh, sometimes it's the fact that my disk drive won't open. Um, I need to get a paperclip and like push that little secret no. button to eject. <laughs> um, but for the most part, it's just that there's so little time in the day and I've got this new stuff that's about to jump off a game pass and I got to go play two stacks of Narita Narita boy. As soon as this is over um, before the end of the month. So uh, it's just stretching myself too thin. I think it's what's keeping me from going back to the 360. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I think we're all given to that. We all now at this point and not globally all, but I know among the three of us, at least we have lengthy gaming histories now and there, there's so many things on the 360 that I want to get back to. It's really not that I, I don't. It's and it's not even like oh new shiny. So I'm distracted. It's just at some point you got to leave the past in the past. <laughs> you got to just keep moving forward, and and it gets easier to cut that stuff out for sure. Like you were saying, um, you know, there's a day coming in the future, and I don't want to hear it. There's a day coming in the future where the 360 is going to get the same treatments that the Windows phone is getting. Right. And it makes me sad because all these other consoles, the NES, you know, the, uh, you know, the, even the GameCube, I think, uh, and, and the Genesis, they all have emulators. But because there was so little online, like, um, you know, checking that had to occur, like, you can have emulators play those games. But can you? reliably make an emulator that's going to let you play all these 360 games that are trying to ping out to servers and get things back. Like hopefully someone is like capturing that traffic and doing all the nerd work uh, to make that happen. But uh, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith. Well, and I'm not, I think this is a, a very broad kind of discussion because I don't pretend to really understand any of the tech behind games. I just play them. But I think for a lot of 360 gamer or a lot of Xbox gamers and communities like ours, it's really not the fear of losing the games themselves. Because even though I couldn't connect to Xbox Live because my profile wouldn't download to upload my saves or whatever, I still could have played the game. It's that the fear of my achievements no longer being unlockable, you know, my save no longer being accessible on another platform. So I, I think there's kind of two bits to that discussion because there are things we'll lose like multiplayer which we've already lost but the game should still be playable you know irrespective of if they shut something down it's just the achievements right i I think with windows phone the game's on your phone you could still play it it's just once d-day hits for those those games you're not earning any more achievements and and that's a big part of our experience obviously Mm. but when we're talking about super nintendo games we weren't playing legend of zelda to earn the achievement for getting the red tunic we were playing it to play Legend of Zelda. So it's the achievement part of the discussion is really what crystallizes that as a fear, I think, more than actual access to the game. 
Yeah. Yeah. People. Well, were, I think that. Go ahead. Aiden, come back. To me. No, you no, you go ahead. I was, I was about to wrap up. Oh, so you keep going. No. Well, <laughs> you know, big mouth has to talk some more. So people were ruminating about. Like, hey, that's when my word. People were talking, <laughs> discussing. <laughs> People were were talking about how uh, they think this is how the three six is going to go down with no warning. It's just going to stop working like this, just like the Windows Phone. And then other people were saying, "No, no, it's not going to happen like that." Way more people are invested in the three sixty, and they promise to make things work and this and that. So it's going to be interesting to see down the road. Um, and like you were saying, like I think I would imagine achievements will still work, but they just won't be time stamped. Right. Like I would imagine they'll still pop. Right. I, I mean, I think Microsoft and, has invested so much in the infrastructure of making the 360 still be relevant by, you know, building backwards compatibility and by having Xbox 360 games benefit from things like uh, the different. Uh, I don't know if FPS boost is the correct thing. So, Kush, I trust you to know these things. But by benefiting from those things that sort of up res these older games so they look even more pretty. They've clearly invested time in the 360, you know, as much as they feel they have access to, to keep it as part of this current generation's accessibility. So I don't see there being this magic moment where it's all going to, the whole thing is going to flip off. But I would think, I would be concerned for games that are not available via backwards compatibility, because there's going to be a point at which it's the 360 console itself and, and whatever's attached to that, that's the problem, not not just it being a 360 game. I'm not sure if what I said made sense, but that's what I'm going with. Okay. I think it did. And hopefully uh, Phil Spencer, he, he is a gamer and he understands gamers. So I think he's got a line into, you know, this is something that we want to uh, have uh, be around for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, before you move on, I wanted to tell my quick story of what happened with my 360, but this happened uh, in the beginning of February, so this is before the uh, a lot of people were complaining about it. And what wound up happening for me is someone figured out that turning off your recurring billing to uh, Game Pass uh, solved it. And I, I said, that makes no sense, but I went to xbox.com and turned it off and that's what worked for me after trying everything else um as of now there's reddit <laughs> threads dedicated to this problem and people are doing everything from uh the aforementioned deleting and redownloading your profile to clearing your cache uh turning off uh two-factor authentication turning on two-factor authentication <laughs> And so on and so forth. Just so many different people had different issues or different things fix it. So, yeah, none of it makes sense. And it doesn't sound good for the future. So hopefully Microsoft stays on top of it. Well, thank you, Jay Black, for your question. Uh, and just a reminder, vulgar Latin, you know, Devin likes to ask those questions, I think, on like Fridays. So you have the weekend to think about them. Um, but pay attention if you're a patron. Uh, you want to have your voice heard and your question or your response to a question read, uh, look at for that end of this week, beginning of next week, and let's hear from you. Uh, moving right along to the game showcase, where we talk about a game or games we've been playing this week in our ongoing quest to unlock their achievements. This week is a bit of a special week, as it seems we're all prepared to talk about Tunic. Um, well, now, most I of know, us are. 
<laughs> I know it, in the past, the past couple weeks, I've been, I've been bagging on Tunic. Now, that's not because I don't want Tunic to do well. And it's not because I think it's going to be bad. It's because I'm trying to lower my expectations because you know how I like these indie games. Uh, and I did not want to be disappointed. Uh, so I've been way overplaying that. Um, and I was really very excited. And coming up to the, the launch day, I was, I could not contain it and I was getting crazy. Uh, I was checking, I was refreshing the page, you know, every you know, hour just looking for this thing. And then, of course, someone reminded me, hey, dummy, um, there is an ID at Xbox thing going on and they're going to, they're going to shadow drop it. And sure enough, that's what they did. And of course, of course they were going to do that. Um, so yeah. Uh, and now a bit of backstory. Tunic was created by Canadian indie developer Andrew Scholdice, which uh, L made a, a funny joke about that. Well, he thinks it's funny. <laughs> Over the past seven or so years, it was first shown back in 2017 or 2017, sorry, and again in 2018, and then mostly went quiet aside from being positioned in several sizzle reels and a playable demo that he released multiple times. Uh, and so you'd go into the demo thinking, oh, I'm going to see something new. No. It's the exact same demo from last year or two years ago, but it is vaporware no more. Uh, publisher Finji helped refine and publish the game straight into Game Pass this past week, and both Big L and I uh, made time to confirm that it is in fact real, and it is, dare I say, <laughs> spectacular. Ooh. Big L, why don't you kick it off and have no fear, there will be no spoilers Mm, uh, we will be talking about mechanics. We might be mentioning items or what those items do, but not how we got them or any of that fun stuff. Um, and we're going to talk about where it draws inspirations and whatever else Big L wants to say about it. And Matriarch, uh, you've got an interesting uh, perspective that we'll hear from as well. Yes. Um, and also, I guess if we could just pull back the curtain just a tiny bit insofar as that we, we kind of pre-discussed this a little bit and just to touch a little further on what Nate was saying with regard to spoilers, if you are in a position where anything about Tunic is a spoiler, you just haven't gotten to it yet, you don't want to know anything, don't listen, because there will be discussions. But there won't be any in-depth discussion of story, there won't be in-depth discussion of like how an item was acquired, more just about its existence. So just be totally clear about what you're going to hear if you keep listening through the game showcase this week. Got that, folks. Got that. Yeah, I was skeptical about this because uh, this is hard for me because in my eyes, a lot of the game is a spoiler. Um, and but what I mean by that is you are thrown into a world not knowing anything of what to do. It's very reminiscent of, of course, uh, a game that it is a love letter to. And that's the original Legend of Zelda. So if you didn't have... Nintendo power if you didn't have the counselor's corner you did not know what to do in the original Legend of Zelda and you walk forward you get a sword and you're on your way and Tunic kind of does the same thing uh, there are signs and they may or may not be in English and you have to determine, like, wh what does this mean? What's going on? And eventually you figure out that there are, um, there's a game manual that looks like an NES game manual. 
and there are pieces or pages of it strewn about the world, and you pick up random pages from time to time. And you go in and read, and they will tell you more about the game. And it's the most fascinating part of the game to me for sure. This is what makes the game. Um, oh, yeah, I, I, there's so much I could say. You want to um, take over and, and we'll discuss further? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so my first introduction to this game was playing the demo um, oh, really? a couple years ago. And I think I only played for 15 or 20 minutes. I knew immediately that I wanted to wait and see the actual thing. Um, and, and the thing about the demo is it used kind of an area of the opening of the game. Uh, it was, it plays, I guess it starts a couple minutes into the game and they, but they change everything around. You get to the top of this peak and you're fighting this guy who you are totally unprepared to handle and he just, he demolishes you. And that's the end of the demo. Uh, or at least it was for me. I turned it off and said, okay, uh, I'm super excited. I want to play this when it's, when it's a real thing and not just a demo that he keeps pushing out. Yes, so clearly this game draws inspiration from Zelda. If you look at the cover art, uh, it is a fox in a green tunic mm. with a sword. <laughs> looks a lot like the Master Sword and a shield that looks a lot like the Herulean crest yep. uh, on his shield. So, um, yeah, <laughs> there's they are not uh, subtle about that at all. Um, this game turns everything into discovery. Uh, you are just dropped and you are figuring out how the world works from get-go. Um, like, oh, oh, apparently I can roll. Oh, apparently I can run. Oh, apparently, <laughs> you know, this thing is another thing that I can do. And, oh, wow, um, you just run by the same thing a hundred times, and you finally figure it out. Oh, I can, if I do this at this particular place, with this particular item... Something happens, and like that is that is a level um, of learning that they don't do in today's games. Like this throws way back to the NES days when you just kind of got blown away, and you would go talk with your friends about games, and then one of them would be like, "I have a friend in Ohio, and he said that if you push A B B A behind this tree, you hear a magical song, and you get like an extra health bar." Like that's the type of like learning that and sharing that we had in games way back in the day. Um, items you get, like you were talking about that user manual, uh, items that you get get fleshed out, and it, it almost feels like the more you use it, or if you use it a specific way, sometimes that gets updated in the manual. So the manual is not static; it changes as you're going along, uh, and some of that like squiggly text gets turned into English, and you can actually read it. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you look at the little pictures, they're like little hieroglyphics that tell you, oh, okay. So, uh, red is obviously, um, you know, your magic or whatever. I can't remember which is which. <laughs> health. <laughs> like green is typically life or health. I don't know. Yeah, red's health, but green is stamina. But they kind of show you, yeah, and they show you, oh, here's an item, and this item is the color red. I wonder if that somehow helps you yeah. get your health back. Mm -hmm. You know, that sort of thing. Like, oh, here's a blueberry. I wonder if that helps you get your magic skill back. And sure enough, it does. Um, so they do all kinds of cool stuff like that. Um, can I just say that they respect the waterfall? <laughs> like, this developer <laughs> understands how waterfalls are supposed to work in games, and like they really understand it. That's all I'm going to go into on that. Uh, maps and in areas include clues uh, or for shortcuts. 
So like there's there's a map inside your manual and like it'll have like a little oh you know here's here's a little thing you would have gotten in Nintendo Power that shows you oh here's a here's a thing here's a room here's an entrance here's a whatever here it's probably a chest but I don't see a chest I wonder um, so it's all about discovery um, the enemies have varied attacks so you're not going in there and just doing a one note swing 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 like they have different attacks there are some enemies that have swords and they'll swing once and then a delay and then a second. And then sometimes a third. And then there's other guys that have shields. I'm like, you can't attack them in the same way that you attack a guy that just has a sword. Um, and then sometimes you get these flying enemies. And sometimes flying enemies with projectiles. There's a lot of variety in the enemies. You're not going to be just bored um, with the combat. Um, it's a stamina-based fighting system. So uh, you can't just block forever. Like, if you block, that's going to take away some of your stamina. You can you have to figure out what you're going to do. You can't just sit there and hide behind your shield the whole time. Like you have to know how you're going to do this attack. Um, assuming that you don't read the solutions on TA or hear spoilers, every little thing you do feels like a massive discovery. Like, I just, I've never felt more a genius than when I've been playing this game. And I'm like, mm-hmm. holy crap. I just discovered this. Like, I am awesome. Um, <laughs> I've been going for a while. L, did you want? Did you want to touch on any of that um, stuff? Or, or, or Matrox? Do you want to jump in on anything? Um, I wanted to just uh, touch on one thing uh, with the enemies. I guess one little quick story and one little uh, thing to note. So, the layout of areas is very smart, from what I observe. So, just in the interest of full disclosure, I have not. Yet played Tunic myself, but I was hanging out with El this weekend, and I watched him play for about an hour, an hour and a half. So I didn't pick up the controller, uh, but I, I have seen the game in action and uh, witnessed a lot of this. And I definitely left even watching the game, going, "Oh, oh man, I gotta go home and start this right now." And then I realized it's also it strikes me you both can speak better to this than I can. If you're gonna play Tunic because of the exploratory nature with things, you need to. You need to give it time. You need to stick with Tunic because you're not. I I would imagine there is eventually one, like 100% is 100% for everyone, but the paths everyone is going to take to get there is different. And so we discussed this when we were discussing this earlier, as as Nate was showing us a little bit of what he's playing, Elle's watching what Nate's playing going, I don't have that thing. I don't have that thing. But then conversation comes up and Elle goes, oh, but I have this. And Nate goes, but I don't have that. So everyone's going to experience this differently and it's not the kind of game where you should pick it up and drop it for a month because you might read a fact or a walkthrough and they're going to say well use the shield and you still may not have encountered it yet and now you're gonna have to figure out where to go so i wasn't ready for that yet but insofar as combat two quick things again layout in the game is very smart um when i was watching uh, i was going down a hallway where there were these three enemies there and the way they were set up, the enemies, these particular enemies, when you hit them and uh, when you kill them, they explode. So the idea is walk in the hallway, kill one, drag the other two forward, and they will just explode and all die. And it's a really easy room. But if you just go in there flailing your sword around, you're going to get killed over and over again. So pay attention to the way the game is designed because it's done so – everything seems very deliberate. It's done by design. Nothing is by happenstance. The other thing, though – when you are running, enemies follow you out of rooms. So you have to be <laughs> mindful of how you're moving through. It's it's not it there is some kind of god mode, and I, I believe that you can turn on and, and makes it so anyone at any skill level can play. And if that's how you want to play and engage with the game, that's great. But 
if you don't choose to play that way, it does not make any attempt to hold your hand. So if you're running away from those enemies, you have to be smart about it because they will chase you through doors. There's probably a, a limit to that. But let, let, I have yeah. a story based off of that. And awesome. I think anyone who's <laughs> played the game is going to know exactly what I'm talking about when I get to it. Uh, I'm in one area of the game. Um, when you die, a shower of coins, let's just call them rupees, uh, go flying <laughs> out of your body. Uh, and if you go back and you find your body, you can get those back. And, that, and when you first see that, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, that's so much money. No. Every time you die, if you don't get back to your body, it's 20 coins. Don't worry about that. Um, if you can't get back to your body, don't worry about it. I didn't know that. So I, oh. was, <laughs> I was going along. And I'm just slowly exploring the map, and I'm trying not to get into too much trouble. And all of a sudden, I find a cool little hidden pathway that I've never found before. And I run into an enemy that I wasn't expecting. And so I start to run away from that enemy. Unfortunately, I ran away from that enemy towards another enemy. <laughs> and then now I've got two enemies trailing me. And so I just start running in an area I've never been. I am now uncovering portions of the map like at the fastest pace I've ever done, finding these like little ways to get into things and running into enemies I've never seen before. I don't know their attack patterns. I now have eight enemies on me, four of which I've never seen before. And I'm just dying and I see a chest. I'm like, oh, I gotta get the chest. And so I get the chest <laughs> and then I die um, and, and just a shower of rupees. And I, I spent the next 20 minutes trying to find the beginning of the path back to that point, but I couldn't because there's so many <laughs> sneaky pathways. I was like, what was I doing? I think I was over here. There's there's got to be a hidden something. It took me forever to finally figure that out again. Uh, and when I was finally able to get back to where my body was, I backtracked and finally figured out that path. Um, yeah. So enemies follow you and they are vicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is well, crazy. And it's just because there's there are so many items and, and things that are built to make certain areas of the game easier and that's the level design at least as an outside observer just seems very very smart that way even and an elk can talk to this more uh when you finish certain dungeons when you exit the dungeon it's designed in such a way that there's either a shortcut right back to the front door or it puts you in the map real close to where you needed to be it's it's Great things take time, and this clearly took time, but all of this stuff, like the deliberate nature of it, just as a, as the person playing the game, hopefully at some point, it just seems so rewarding to get through that and then be rewarded with, look, you don't need to walk through the whole dungeon again. And it, it's not like a warp point or something that just makes you appear. It's actually designed in such a way to drop you back at the beginning. Yeah, and it's mind-blowing because you say to yourself, wait a minute, could I have gone through this other way all along? And the answer is probably yes, <laughs> you could have. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, yeah. And that goes for uh, certain things you learn in the manual that you're like, wait, I could have done this in the beginning, but now they're teaching me how to do this. So I guess if you started a new game, you would have knowledge of things you could do off the bat. There's certain, yeah, yeah. Your second playthrough would be so much. Yeah. You'd cut so many corners. Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything, but like just certain things that you could do with items in your inventory, for example, that you didn't know you could do. Um, mm -hmm. By the way, I have, I have not used a single thing in my inventory <laughs> um, out of fear. Do you have of, a whole inventory of mega elixirs? Basically, yes. <laughs> you might run so out like of them. All the, <laughs> like, uh, I guess I could say, yeah, there are fruits you find, like you, like you acknowledged. I haven't used any of them. I don't know why. 
because I, I know, I don't know, just the stuff you find seems to be finite, so I don't want to waste it if I need it later. I have not spent a single coin, so why am I so <laughs> obsessed about losing 20 at my body? I haven't found a place to spend any oh, money really? Yet. So, yes, I have not um, figured that out yet. Okay. <laughs> See, this is so funny. That, like, you're like, well, clearly you go to the vending machine, dummy. I mean, I, um, uh, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, there's a place. But yeah, so I haven't spent any money yet, but I used <laughs> items. You haven't used items. I've totally used items. Yeah. I can tell you what that does. I'm not going well, the, to. Well, the um, manual eventually told me what some of them do. Yes. And uh, one you of them. definitely want to do that. One of them looks to be <laughs> like a, a lore, like a <laughs> similar. It reminded me of like a, a skelly in a Hades. Um, you could like put down a. Mm. <laughs> but. uh yeah, that that's yeah, no, one. Yeah, one thing I can't talk about too much. Unfortunately, this is a show about achievements. I can't talk about the achievements too much because I haven't looked at them really. I, I, I looked a little bit to see, you know, okay, how many missables, how many things are marked as missable, and it's early days yet. So maybe that information isn't right. Maybe that information is not complete. Um, there are three missables. Um, uh, I think one of them is only missable um, if you read. It's only not missable if you've just been scanning through the achievements and you know exactly what you have to do. Like in a natural playthrough, it's going to be something you get on your second playthrough. Uh, and your second playthrough will be very fast, I think, compared to your, your learning playthrough. Um, so if you are the type of person that wants to play this game and wants to enjoy this game... Don't listen yeah, to anything. Enjoy this said. game. <laughs> yeah, enjoy this game. Don't read the spoilers or don't read the achievements. They are spoilers. Uh, they spoil so much for you. I'm really I'm sure of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I going back to the items very briefly. Um, I am the type of person that in an RPG at the end of the game, I will have everything, mm -hmm. including the starter sword <laughs> that I started with. Like <laughs> I won't have gotten rid of that. Um in this game, I started doing the exact same thing, but then I was like, just whatever, like whatever. And then I read in the manual that you find on page 17. I remember it distinctly. <laughs> it's on page 17 of the manual. There's a little note in the margin that tells you to do something. And I did that something. Um, and it, it, it basically, uh, it tells you to do the opposite of what you're doing now. It says, just use your items, just use them. <laughs> Don't not use your items, use them. And sure enough, I just started using them, and I popped an wow. achievement. Um, and I think uh, I know what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> so I, I am afraid, though. I'm afraid that I've locked myself out of another achievement because I started using an item that, um, number one, you have no idea what using an item even means. Like, am I going to eat this fruit? Or am I going to throw the fruit? And, you know, what? <laughs> I have no idea what it's going to do because – the game is not helping me. Like I have to learn by experience. And so I, I started doing this one thing. I was like, Hey, that was fun. Let me do it to another. And I did. And I think I might have done it too many times and I don't have enough of those items left over at the end of the game um, to get an achievement. So I don't know, maybe I can buy them in a store that I haven't found yet, but, uh, <laughs> but right now I'm worried. <laughs> I thought another thing that was interesting with the manual. So I haven't seen the manual 
be like I didn't see what the manual looked like when you first opened it up. So by the time I'm watching the game, obviously L has found like I saw one page get found. Like oh, there's something new. It, it will indicate for you that you can now read the manual on page whatever. So I don't know if there are things that might stealth update in the manual, but from what I saw, anything that you earn that updates the manual, the game does indicate that to you. Oh, yeah. The manual definitely changes. Because <clears throat> if you look at the very beginning, it's all squiggly text. Okay. And then and- as you play more, like they, they translate some of that stuff. And sometimes, like you were saying, you'll see an item and you'll be like, hey, I have that item. And it says, see, page 20. And well, you don't have page 20 yet. <laughs> so right. It's just like, well, and the other it's a thing. Total tease. Now, I've never done this. Like, and I'm not saying that sarcastically. I've literally never done this because the idea of writing in any printed thing that isn't something printed with lined paper that means I'm supposed to write in it is just abhorrent and I won't do it. But it looks like there are some spots in the manual too where people, whoever had the manual or made the manual in the context of the game put like notations of their own. And I don't know if you've noticed that or if that was there or whatever else, but even stuff like that's cool because it looks like somebody looked at the manual and the manual gave them a hint, but they discovered another hint and left that for you as you're playing the game. No, it, it's great. I mean, we bag on games like Duke Nukem Forever for taking forever to coming out to come out, and it's just like another Duke Nukem game. There's like, why was this in the oven so long? This game has been in the oven for so long, and it shows like there's so much detail in this game. It's you know, I don't know if it's obvious. I really like this game. <laughs> now, I have a question for both of you with regard to Tunic, though. Because of the way the game plays now on your first playthrough, it's exploration, it's taking your time, it's figuring out this, that, and the other. Uh, do you foresee for yourselves, because I, I don't know the list at all. I know, Kush, you said you've taken a peek at it. Elle, I don't believe that you have from what I'm gathering. Nope. But if the game doesn't require, if Tunic doesn't require a 100% run, are you so taken with this game that you think you may do that sort of thing because you're just enjoying the exploration? Or do you think sort of our need to get achievements is kind of kind of rear its head here and it's going to be, well, I'd love to do that, but I'm going to back burner this because I've got to move on to something else. I think the need to get achievements is secondary uh, to a lot of this for once. And it's a great feeling. <laughs> um, when an achievement pops you're like, oh, what did I do? That's cool. That's the best feeling. And, um, but from what I've heard, it's not, I, mean, I don't think it's a long campaign. So doing a second run is not out of the question. And um, I'm definitely trying to not use a guide to go through. I imagine things will get more complicated and more convoluted as I go. But I'm trying I think you're doing yourself a disservice. I know this is going to sound like Gatekeeper L, but I really think you're doing yourself a disservice by using a guide to tell you do this, do that, do this, do that. Uh, I also think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're turning on no fail. Like combat is part of the game. It's not, you know, if it was meant to just be a puzzle game, there wouldn't be fighting. It's, it's like Zelda. Every Zelda game had a fair difficulty. It was beatable. And you had to use your, your, you know, it wasn't just about like every Zelda enemy wasn't just figuring out patterns. You also had to need to figure out the right items to use and such and such. Um, the combat's actually like uh, the N64 Zeldas with the targeting. Did you play those, Kush? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if you remember, like you had you you held down. I guess it was Z targeting. Like back that weird Z targeting that yes. was on the you know <laughs> that hidden inside the but, controller. You had to open a panel <laughs> to get to it. Yeah. Z targeting. Yeah, but that's what it it reminds me of with the left trigger targeting. But uh, like, there's just one enemy that 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 kills you pretty quickly, and and part of the puzzle to me is figuring out how to defeat it. And then once you do, you're like, okay, I could do that. And then another valid strategy is to run past some enemies. Oh, I know exactly who you're talking. Yeah. About. <laughs> <laughs> and some will follow you into other rooms, but not if you can climb a ladder because they won't climb ladders. <laughs> And but some will follow you a little bit, but then they'll run back to their position and maybe you can take advantage yes, of it. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> yes, going along with the combat. Yeah, this is the sort of combat where you learn, and I would recommend strongly that you play it and you try to learn that combat. If you can't, okay, turn on no fail mode. I don't know what that does, but I'm going to assume it doesn't allow you to fail. Um, <laughs> like, I was fighting some guys, and it, originally I would like swipe at them and I would do this huge rollback. You know, I'd roll out of the the way of their second swipe. Eventually, I figured out, oh, no, I don't have to do that. I can just, I can just like, flick the stick back just a tiny bit and, like, just dodge the sword and then go back in for another strike. And, like, you just get better at the combat. You Like, once you realize what the patterns are, um, now maybe on your second run through, you don't want to do all that. Uh, or maybe you're really good and you're just like, whatever, I'm just going for, like, a speed run and you turn on no-fail mode, whatever. But I, I would definitely recommend... That until you know this game is not for you or whatever, just take it the way you're supposed to uh, and spend some time with this game. But, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but that's what I would recommend. And, of course, you know, other people are just going to jump in and no fail right from the start and look at a guide. Yeah. And, you know, watch some YouTube videos while they're doing it. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Say it, but Nate. okay. That's right. I guess you that's okay. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you should. Like, I wouldn't. I feel I'm a little bit sad and broken inside when that happens. But I understand it's going to happen. Somebody's going to do it. But so, but now again, as as to the question, where do you see yourself falling? In so far as once you get that last achievement, if you haven't found like if there's a piece of the manual that still has a squiggle, if there isn't a 100 percent the manual achievement, like are you into this game so much so that achievements? Who cares? I'm gonna go in and do this, or or like I'm just wondering if it raises to that level of, of gameplay for you. So if there wasn't an achievement for getting 100 percent on the manual, I would probably go and you know number one I would find out is there is this a completable manual, and then if mm. it was, I would go, I would go do that stuff. Um, I mean I'm the type of gamer I was just playing, you know, uh, Outriders last night with uh, Matism. Uh, he's a good guy, you know. He would never leave me in the lurch. Never. Uh, we started. He has a name now. He was he was running me through and helping me get this one two player achievement that I needed to get. And then we were we killed this boss, and he's like, "Okay, now check this out." I'm like, "Wait, no, we killed the boss." He's like, "No, check this out. Over there in this room, that's a cave, is a table with a red phone." <laughs> what? And he's like, "Yeah, there's a what? there's a table with a red phone. Go pick it up." I'm like, "You're making this up." And no, sure enough, there's. A, so I, I was just like, that's really awesome. I want to go on the internet and find out what else weird is happening in this game. So yeah, I think I would if I really liked the game. Mm -hmm. uh, I like Outriders. I really like this game. I think I would go try to find all the cool stuff. Like there's a cave that has, um, you know, uh, <laughs> the guy's social security number written on it. I'm going to go see that. Like <laughs> I, I definitely want to check those sorts of things out. And uh, I would probably do this. Now, 
I don't like this as much as Death's Door, and I know that's weird because I'm really just kind of effusive about this whole thing, but um, it it's a good game. It's a really good game, and I would probably squeeze everything out of it that I could. I know I'm going to play it a second time. Will I play it a third time? Probably not, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely two times. Uh, oh, Go ahead, Al. I was going to say, you know, we don't know how frustrating the game might get later or how we might get we might get stuck and have to turn to um, a guide. But in an instance like this, I think I'd rather ask, um, you know, ask the community for a, for a little tip or a hint. You know, because as you always say, once Ooh. you get the guide the first time. Yeah, that's it. That's a good point. I should I should mention in the um, I think it's the general channel, oh, yeah. we have a tunic thread. And I know it was hot and heavy the first day or two it was out. People were posting in there, asking questions, and I think those guys have completed the game. Um, so we definitely have some experts that can answer your achievement-related mm. questions. Um, and so you can go there and hopefully get just the amount of information that you're looking for and no more. Um, so hopefully, yeah, I think hopefully we can do that. There's probably a middle ground where they probably like looked at the list ahead of time, but then they didn't follow a guide to a T. So that like a middle middle ground. I mean, I don't even know what type of guides there are out there. I'm sure at this point there are, but maybe on release date there weren't. So can I ask you guys a boring question? Sure. I love boring questions. Go awesome. for it. What about just kind of the basics of a game? The, the, the aesthetics, the sound, the music, is any of that captivating to either of you? Or is I most- don't play with sound on. Stop it. What? <laughs> what? We kicked him off the podcast. I, I, I'm just, Why would I'm you trying even to give say that? L a heart attack. No. I know you <laughs> do. L. <laughs> no, but like, because um, a lot of what I hear about Tunic, a lot of what I've witnessed about it really is, is again, just the design of things, the, the way you find things, the way you explore the world. But I don't really hear much about sound design or mm. about how you feel mm. about how the game looks. So just curious if you have any quick hits about that. Oh, why don't you go first? Sure. Okay. Well, as far as the visuals go, I like them. I think I saw some people bagging on them and i i think they're they're very nice you know i i couldn't quite figure out that the bush was a bush at first but you know eh, that's okay i'm sure that that was unintentional probably um i think the, the visuals are good um i don't think i pointed out that i've been playing this with my son in tow also so normally i would have headphones on to experience the sound so i haven't quite uh gathered it as intimately as I normally would. But I can say that unlike Zelda, there have been no tunes that I could whistle for you. <laughs> Where Zelda had always had a great soundtrack. Tunic, so far, nothing. You know, nothing's been bad or anything, but I can't remember anything offhand. Uh, so I guess that would be one that, negative for me so far. That I, that's my exact same answer. Like I, nothing has stuck out in my memory. Like I, I can't tell you about the sound design. I can't tell you about the mm-hmm. music because nothing has stuck in my brain. It's all been about the experience mm-hmm. and the aesthetics, I think. Mm-hmm. And does Tunic clue you in at all about what the story is? I know you said you, ex- you experience everything through the manual, uh, but have you had story? this moment where you like wake up and and you know that some fairy was talking to you about things that you need to do or whatever or did it 
like I know you mentioned just sort of drops you in the middle of something, uh, but it gives you nothing or do you have any inclination about like the name of the world you're exploring or the general sense of like, why are you a fox wearing clothes and holding a sword? I don't think so. Well, probably. I, I think you get some story, but it's so far removed mm-hmm. from the other story bits because you're exploring so much. I think it's kind of hard to put the pieces together. And maybe at the end, it'll make more sense. I mean, look mm-hmm. who you're asking, um, I don't know these things. <laughs> it took me forever just to figure out that you could see your position on the map. So, you know. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Unless you're in a cave. Like, why does that fox keep really moving around? Up. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I am the fox. I'm the fox. <laughs> oh, and speaking about, you know, one thing I, I talked to you guys about earlier but didn't mention yet is uh, pay attention to your fox's head. Oh, uh, yeah. They do. This has been in video games for a while, but they do a really good job of that here. Your fox will notice things that you don't. Um, <laughs> secret passageways, items, enemies. They're lurking around a corner or something. Your fox will notice these things, and it's your job to notice your fox. So I'll be honest. That's my final. I'll be honest. Tip. I did not notice that, but I have. Oh, um, I've definitely like hugged a lot of walls, and I've definitely gone through walls and found treasures mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And and like you said, waterfalls. So yeah, like explore every nook and cranny. I, would, I, I would advise you in games to watch your character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sometimes you will see Thanks. their head like <laughs> snap to something. It's, it's a common thing. They do that in death's door as well. Just saying. <laughs> I learned a lot from you, Sage Kush. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've more than covered it. Uh, that game, by the way, if you don't recall, <laughs> is Tunic. <laughs> so is Tunic the name of the fox or, or is it just named after a garment? I think it's named after his shirt. Um <laughs> I can't tell. I can't even spell tunic in their language yet. So, um, so yeah, that was tunic. That was our game showcase. Let's move on to sales because obviously you've got plenty of time oh to play new games. Matrark. Of what do you got course. For uh, well, what do you have for me? But actually, before, <laughs> before you <laughs> you answer that, uh, I just wanted to point out uh, that Thirty Nine Days to Mars is on sale. This is a co op puzzle game unfortunately it's only a local co-op it's not a steep sale it's only it's ten dollars down from 15 but this game has been tracked by less than 400 people which is really a shame it's it it is good at what it does i'm not going to call it a five-star classic or anything but if you're into games in the vein of uh, like the we were here games where the idea is that you have to work with co-op cooperatively with someone else to solve the puzzles it's, it is a good time. I also need somebody to purchase the game that actually understands how to beat it in less than 30 minutes so they can tell me how. Uh, but that that is all that jumped off the page for me. Yeah, I think you get to lose on purpose or something like that. I, I forget what, what the tip I have been told that, but you, in my experience, losing on purpose involves failing the puzzle a couple times and then you get the ability to skip it. But the amount of time it takes to fail the puzzles eats into that time so you know it look it's probably just me not being patient enough because you only have 30 minutes but when i play there's another achievement also to finish the game in under 50 minutes and i managed to get that one and i timed it and i finished it in like 48 so it wasn't that i was close and and i was trying to fail puzzles and such anyway i don't want to go on too much about 39 days to mars but it it is a it is an enjoyable game. You do not need to play it in co-op. It plays better that way, especially if, if you do have someone local co-op to play it with. Controls can be a little oh. wonky at times, but it is fun to figure out. Elle and I played it together and, and <laughs> generally enjoyed the experience. 
yes. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and recommend some more. Well, I guess I'll be nice to, to Kenny this week. Artifacts Mundi games. Um, I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, luckily, uh, we didn't purchase Lost Grimoires 3 when, uh, when it was on sale last week for 374 as the entire trilogy is on sale. Good job, guys. You're doing it right. So all three games for eight ninety nine, instead of fourteen ninety nine each. I think that's a good deal. And there's another three pack, Family Mysteries. I never even heard of that one. That's another trilogy. So, do you happen to know what's included in that one? Yeah, Family Mysteries one, two, it, and three. Oh, okay. I didn't even yeah, know Family Mysteries trilogy. was its own thing. Yeah. Exactly. Because the, the artifacts games tend to be bundled, and I know we've noted this before, but either the series itself, or it'll be like the Random Mystical crap. Travels bundle, <laughs> and it'll be like one from three different. So I thought maybe that was one of the latter, nope. but okay. Two trilogies cool. for eight ninety nine each. Sounds like we're going to have six more artifacts games yeah. to play. Yeah. Now let me tell you, I did not... Uh, Wait, Nate, not what, spend money last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, ended up, I ended up picking up those two Artifacts Monday games uh, last oh, week. No. But I'll tell you what, that deal is still good enough that I went in on the uh, the trilogies. Yeah. I went in on both of those. It's you know, so it's like four dollars per game that I don't have for each one of those. I still think that's a deal. So no, could um, you? I know we discussed that we don't. We obviously do not have the awesome Steam thing where you don't have to pay for the portion you you own. But could you potentially buy it as a gift and then just you would have the code and then you can choose to give the code to someone else or something? Or is that like too convoluted a way to deal no. with this sort of thing? Yeah, you don't get three codes. You get one code. Oh, you get right. one singular. So, okay. Yeah, you get one code and you get all three games off of that. I so, imagine if you contacted um, support, you'd get your 374 back from last week. If you, <laughs> but, but can you only do that like once a, nah, or something <laughs> once like a quarter that. or something? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, it might be I worth reaching it. out to them. The worst I, thing I that happens that. is they say no. I did, Yeah, I didn't even think to do that. I was just like, you know what? It's $4 for the two games I don't have. That's a pretty good That's deal. That's a good call. I'm oh, just going to do it. Um, so, yeah. And, of course, now next week they'll release a fourth in both of those trilogies. <laughs> and have a super what? special sale. <laughs> just like, <laughs> uh, just like Indiana Jones 4. <laughs> <laughs> that never oh. happened. Uh, so today, <laughs> this week, uh, Matrix for you, I Yay. am recommending <laughs> Archaica. It's $5 down from 15 It is a puzzle game. It's two, three hours. It has a walkthrough. You're not going to want it. You're not going to need it. Why would you do that for a two, three hour puzzle game? Nothing against you if that's what you do, but uh, it's actually a fun game. It's based on life puzzles. Um, each each level starts out with you finding um, three things, uh, two sets of three things, and then you then you actually play the game, which is redirecting light with mirrors and probably diffraction at some point, and you know uh, light amplifiers and fun stuff like that. So it is a cool little puzzle game. I've played the first five levels and I enjoy it. I think it's a great way to end the day. Uh, that type of relaxing kind of just, oh, let me figure this out type game. Um, so you might want to check that out. Uh, additionally, you might be interested in Brawl Chess Gambit. This is $2.50 down from 10 It's strategy, turn-based card and board. It's one to two hours. It has walkthrough. Uh, okay, walkthrough for chess. Got it. Uh, there's also Checkers for Kids, which is $2.69 down from 7 It's puzzle, card and board, and it is one to two hours. Yeah, Checkers for Kids is, is, you know, some of these games, they're, even though they're quick and they have walkthroughs, they, 
there you might be able to play it with play the game with people in your house like i did not enjoy the game even as like a the checkers for kids even as a quick achievement sort of thing because checkers doesn't convert well to playing on an xbox it it just not a whole lot of fun to do uh so that is definitely a just for the gamer score game i I would not recommend that as a you know hey this is also something fun you might be able to play with the kids in your house to get them into video games with you yeah question about that puzzle it's it's genre this puzzle is there a mode where you're just like solve this in three moves no no and i i've raised this uh i wrote so i had um I had Checkers for Kids on my random to-do list either last month or the month before. And I wrote about this on TA in my blog where I'm like, I don't understand why this counts for puzzle, but I guess it does, especially because you can manipulate it in such a way that there really is no, you know, it's two player, but past the controller. So it's not like you have to, I think there might be one achievement attached to having to play. I know L, you played this more recently than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were one or two achievements maybe attached to having to play the AI. Yep. But otherwise, you just set the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. So I have zero idea why it has a puzzle tag. It, it should just be card and board. Yeah, it's not too exciting. Oh, well. If you're playing with a kid, get out a real checkerboard. It's not like Monopoly where it's really helpful to have an AI banker and an AI, uh, AI keep track of everything. Auctions and stuff. Checkers, come on. Right. Huh. Well, if you want the achievements, it's only two yes. sixty. Oh, yeah, for the achievements, it. it's completely yeah, <laughs> absolutely go for it. Now, two weeks ago, I talked about uh, Far Lone mm-hmm. Sales. It was the first game in the Far whatever <laughs> the other title game series is. Uh, it's on Game Pass now. Uh, it is three dollars now. It's three dollars down from fifteen. I didn't pay fifteen, but I didn't pay three dollars. <laughs> um, this is an adventure game. It's six to eight hours. Uh, we talked, like I said, talked about it two weeks ago, and you are welcome. You want to play this, I think. <laughs> Thanks, um, Now, a Thank you. game for the <laughs> two of you guys, Shakes on a Plane. Uh, this is a $4 down from 15 party game, and it's an Overcooked-like. Whoa. So hmm. you are on an airplane or various configurations of airplanes, and you're trying to serve people food. Uh, one of those oh. food items is our shakes, apparently. Uh, this is oh. local co-op only. Mm. So you cannot do this uh, at your respective places. You have to be together to do this. And I think I think I read a review that said, even when you're playing single player, you have to have a second controller like logged in and just sitting in the corner. Um, so be aware, maybe, maybe look into that some, but $4 down from $15. Uh, if, especially if you're looking for some more overcooked in your life, this might be the game for you. And finally, uh, Wind Peaks, $9 down from 15 This is an adventure point and click. I think I've mentioned it before. It's similar to Hidden Through Time, if you remember that, which is a Where's, Lo- uh, Where's Waldo-like. Um, I think there's only two of these, uh, three if you go back to the 360, um, games that I'm aware of that are kind of like Where's Waldo. But this game unlike hidden through time has a story that kind of threads throughout all the different areas whereas hidden through time is just like oh here's the desert scene here's the ice level you know that sort of thing um this is great for involving younger kids because they can help you find things um you can just you can have fun with it you can look at all the weird stuff that the people are doing um and you can still get achievements while you're doing it it's a little bit pricey but uh, if you're trying to knock out uh, two birds with one stone maybe that works for you 
Moving on for games that you've already paid for, uh, we have games with gold. And this month, uh, right now, you can get Street Power Soccer, Yay. which is available uh, March 16th to April 15th. And you can get on the 360, you can get SpongeBob's Truth or Square. I did see and then people in, playing that game. Go ahead. Yeah, people are. I, I did see people on my friends list actually playing that game. So, um, Truth or yeah, Square? Yeah. A lot of adults. Okay, cool. uh, yeah, I want to get around. A lot of adults are into SpongeBob and for reasons unbeknownst to me. Gotcha. Drugs are bad. Okay. Now, aside from. What's that? <laughs> Drugs are bad. <laughs> Yes, drugs are bad. <laughs> Aside from uh, your games with gold, we have Game Pass, which is still giving out some new things. We mentioned last month or last week, sorry, uh, that uh, you know Tunic was coming out. We've got a couple other things. We've got Tainted Grail Conquest coming out on March 22nd. We have Zero Escape, the Nonary Games coming out on the 22nd as well. We have Norco coming out on the 24th. No relation to He-Man. Uh, we have F1 <laughs> 2021 also coming out March 24th. We have Crusader Kings 3. I know that uh, your people who love these types of uh, you know, command and conquer games, those sorts of you know strategy games, are really into the Crusader Kings or would probably be really into them. I know Devin is very into this series. It comes out March 29th. Then we have Weird West. Coming to Game Pass on the 31st. I believe that this is like XCOM in the Wild West. And that should appeal to a lot of people. Leaving in March, we have Madden NFL 20. We have Narita Boy, and that is a stack. And I am going to be doing that as soon as we're done here. And then we mm -hmm. also have Shadow Warrior 2. And then on April 11th, uh, we're losing a game called Destiny 2. Beyond Blight, Shadowkeep, and Forsaken. I don't think that many people have played it, so it's it's not yeah. a not a huge loss. No, no, I never heard of this thing. And it's PC now, anyway. It says PC here, so I don't know if that's only no. PC uh, or if Xbox side of stuff is going away too. Fair enough. And last week we didn't have a whole lot of G-Task news, but this week we do. We do. Unfortunately, we do. This is the time of the episode where we say so long to some of our task competitors who have made it this far in the contest uh it's getting pretty close to the end here and i want to say that anyone who got eliminated in the last week actually had made it into the top 50 which is super super impressive but still we have to say goodbye on the individual side we lost high road v2 zwavel dioxide and the super bob 49 on the team side, we did lose one team, which had a pair of AH101 members. This was the team of Breakin' Games, Crazy Gains, and Spreadin' Flames. And uh, that included Inferno 118 and Noth. So, great run, guys. Sorry to see you guys out of it. But that means we have less teams to follow in the coming weeks. So, it's a little easier on us. All right, for those still in it, the bonuses are in solo. Uh, precision aim worth 500 TA and having unlocked at least 20 Tenji achievements from the shooter genre. That doesn't sound too bad. And team bonus. I'm a storyteller in the period with each member having unlocked at least 20, 20 G achievements flagged main storyline. But if you're really slick, you can go buy those two things. At this point in G task, 
with the teams that are still in and the individuals are still in, those are both both really look like gimmies that they're going to get along the way with a little bit of planning. So it's a, it's a good time to be getting bonuses like these in G-Task. They're easy, but they might be a waste of gaming time to go for those little dinky achievements. That's true. Right now, when we would normally talk about the current contest that's going on, if it was brand new, last week, our extra content, we had Freem and Chewy, who were talking about their new thing that they're putting together, as, as well as some other roundups that they've done. Freemhaven is an event that's starting in April. Come check it out in the Discord, or go back and listen to the end of the last week's podcast, get a little more detail on that. We've got a thread up in the Discord, and you can ask questions there, sign up, find a team. Uh, and see a little bit more about what's going on next month. But moving on, we're heading to Brag Camp. Welcome to Brag Camp, everyone. We're going to kick it off with completions, as we always do. Boots Orion has reached 300 completed games, as well as Sincere Seeker 6. Princet has completed 350 games, as well as Freemhole. Rossos Ross is up to 850 games. And even though he has completed 1,050 games, Noth still couldn't help but get eliminated from G-Task. Shots fired? <laughs> Shots fired, but no codes. <laughs> no codes. <laughs> In ratio, nobody's doing... <laughs> well done. In ratio, nobody's doing a thing. In streaks, we have Neon Prime is currently on a 50-day achievement win streak. I Mike Zero is at 200 days. Toby Lynn, 350. It's a live X with 550. Rossos Ross with 900 days. Morbid 237 on a 1000 day achievement win streak. We have Enigma Gamer 77 with 1200 days. Seamus McLimey with 2000. Then in the annuals, we have Ben L72 is currently on a one year achievement win streak. And Sincere Seeker 6 is currently on a two year achievement win streak. I'll just jump in here and uh, cover gamer score, because uh, uh, L's, L's getting some stuff ready for later on, I suppose. Uh, in gamer score, we have Mr. Petart who passed four hundred thousand gamer score, Logic Slayer who passed four hundred fifty thousand gamer score, and Fighter Chip who reached seven hundred thousand gamer score. And if I'm not mistaken, he did that by completing Elden Ring. So good job all around. Wow, doing the research. Doing the research. In leaderboard. Until he says that was wrong. Bastion Reader is now the top 10 of the USA Max possible completion percentage leaderboard for Windows Phone shoot 'em ups. How many Windows Phone shoot 'em ups can there possibly be? I would love to know. Enigma Gamer 77 is in position 10 in the Alberta Gamer Score leaderboard. Mad iPad Eye is in the top 200 of the TIA leaderboard. Mental Knight is in the top 200 of the TIA leaderboard for sports. NBA Kirkland is number one in the Washington TIA difference leaderboard for competitive ratio. Raw Sauce Ross is now in the top 100 of the TIA leaderboard for party. Sir Polygon is now in the number is now number one in the Georgia True Achievement leaderboard for volleyball. And last but certainly certainly not least, Skeptical Mario. Uh, wanted me to say it, but we were going to say it anyway, but that you are number one in the completed games leaderboard for Metroidvania games. Uh, and you were nice enough to admit that you are tied with Awoo with 76 Metroidvania completions. Amazing job. That's a lot of Metroids. That's a lot of Metroids. <laughs> 
All right, in Braggs, and we have a bunch. Logic Slayer completed Cyberpunk 2077. Congratulations. Ruterek uh, actually tagged me, so I have to make sure to read this one. Uh, he, once again, has 100% completion in the Football Manager series, and he did this with Football Manager 2022 on Windows. Catster uh, completed Art of Rally, which uh, seems pretty grindy. Her last achievement was, I think, like a six ratio. Chewy on Ice completed Hexic, uh, as he would say, HD, uh, <laughs> 13 years after starting it. Uh, Jimbot UK finished Grid Retro Enhanced. Um, uh, Majora interestingly enough, was second <laughs> to complete Tunic. And I haven't seen Majora around the Discord too much, but uh, he definitely was in the Tunic room and, and talking to us about it. So that was pretty cool. But second overall to complete Tunic. And I believe they said whoever finished one seemed to have a, a head start. I was maybe mm-hmm. using some guides, and Majora claims to have not used any outside help. So... Uh, Redemption Denied did a cute thing and reached a gamer score of 3141592. Unfortunately, he did it on March 19th. (laughs) (laughs) But the sentiment was well appreciated by everyone who saw it. Speaking of Chip and Elden Ring, he did complete Elden Ring and he did it with a time of about 66 hours. Um, not to be outdone. Well, yes, to be outdone. Drunken Monkeys completed it and has an astounding 173 hours in Elden Ring. That is amazing. Wow. He said he did everything he possibly could. All quests, all items, all random bosses. He said he hasn't been this absorbed in a game world in a long time. He said legit throughout my plans for a million because this game simply made me not care about achievements. <laughs> Honestly, didn't want it to end, and now I'm in this weird what-do-I-do-with-myself kind of state. See? Nice. Gaming can be that fun. That is awesome. That is awesome. That's a lot of hours. Yeah, because... <clears throat> pardon me. The TA estimate on Elden Ring is 80 to 100. So your TA goes up to 200, and then it's just 200 plus. So you're gems of wars and your gears of wars and that sort of stuff there there isn't a time count that captures them but 80 to 100 he basically blew through and doubled that because of having such a great time in a game that is amazing that might be the best brag of the week i'd love to hear chip's take on it like did he just streamline it to get the achievements and that's still 60 plus hours like i wonder but congrats to you guys and last but not least, uh, we apparently missed a brag from a week or two ago. Neo21, our resident Vayner person, hit 1 million TA on March 12th. Uh, sorry awesome. we did not read that. But you are being spotlighted, sir. And thank you for your monthly Vayner of the month thingies. <laughs> Once again, we don't always read every milestone that comes across, uh, especially with a TA score. We haven't read TA score for a while. But if you find anything that you think is bragworthy, take it to the brag camp and uh, tag L. There's a good chance he'll read it, uh, and we will try to do that in the future. Well, guys, 
that was a show. You've completed level 191. All right. Yeah. All right, then. <laughs> so if you'd like to follow us on Twitch, we are Twitch TV age 101 on Twitter. We are achievements 101. And that's where you send our Twitter tweets as Fufu would say on discord. <laughs> we are discord.io slash age 101 on Patreon. We are achievement hunting 101 and on YouTube. We are also achievement hunting 101. I want to take a moment to thank our patrons, our Patreon patrons, uh, this show is not possible without them, without their assistance. They get uh, a couple perks, like being able to answer questions and have those questions read. A lot of times we'll go back and we'll ask them things about, hey, uh, what do you think about this for the show? And uh, it's just one of the perks that we get. We also have a special patron chat channel where we can talk about all kinds of crazy stuff. You never know what's going to happen there. If that sounds good to you, you'd like to help out the show, go ahead and check out Patreon and uh, and see what works for you. Uh, once again... Thank you guys for having uh, for having us and for listening to us, and we will catch you next week. Bye bye. Oh, class dismissed. <laughs> so long. And the balcony is closed. Nice, nice. Hello and welcome to a brand new segment that we are calling the Master Raters. In this segment, we're going to be talking about how we rate our games. I'm Chewing on Ice and joining me is Mr. Volgolatin. Hello. And Madam Matrock. Hello. Uh, yeah, so as I mentioned, this segment is all about how we rate our games. And actually, there's been a lot of discussion recently in the Discord about game ratings in general and it was a podcast question recently um but you'd be surprised to know that actually <laughs> that didn't inspire this segment this segment has been brewing for a very very long time yeah we've been talking about it since what like last year somewhere yeah, in there we, we can screen cap some discord images with <laughs> dates and times to, to prove that we did not just conceive of this because Elden Ring happened. Yeah, but it just seemed like that kind of uh, propelled us into action a little bit. Uh, we went from kind of generally kind of talking about it to being like, oh, yeah, we should probably actually do this thing. <laughs> uh, it's a hot topic. So yeah, Master Raters uh, is what we're calling it. And basically each episode, we're going to focus in on one rating going from 0.5 all the way up to five stars so we're using the ta standard rating system uh, so each episode will be another 0.5 stars up and we're each going to talk about what that rating level means to us personally why do we rate a game as a 0.5 or a 3 or a 5 and then we're going to have an example of what a game in our collection that we put at that rating kind of to show what we mean by by that rating system and then maybe we're going to talk a little bit about some of the community ratings as well. So I've gone uh, into all of our patron and staff uh, game collections and pulled out some examples of how you guys rate your games according to whatever we're talking about. Sounds good? Sounds excellent. That's that's great. I give that introduction a 4.5 out of 5. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you can't have a 5, so to me that is perfect. So Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I'm going to give it a uh, 5 out of 7. <laughs> oh boy 
episode one is going to be right at the bottom, right at the the dregs. We're scraping the barrel here with our zero point fives. We can't have zero. It can't be. We can't be any lower. Zero is not possible uh, unless you choose to not rate games because they're so bad. So why don't we kick off by uh, Michelle? Why don't you tell us what does a zero point five mean to you? What is the absolute worst? Okay, so an absolute worst where we can give it a rating, right? Because if 0.0 were a thing, right, that would be completely unplayable, it's broken, it just doesn't work, right? I I think that's probably a consensus opinion. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 0.5 is, you know, just a step above that. Like, it can be playable, but it's not particularly good at anything that it's trying to do. Um, And so much so that it's almost offensive, at how badly it does the things it's trying to do. At least that's that's how I view it, which is why I have so seldom and in fact only once given out a 0.5 rating. So not just bad, offensively bad. Yes, mm. yes. So what game is the single game that you would think is deserving of a 0.5? Well, um, can I tell two little quick um, stories first? What I promise they're like two sentences each. Just be prepared for us to rate your story. That's okay. That's yeah. that's what this is all about. You, you can't become a master raider without practice. So I practice a lot when I'm alone. <laughs> um, insofar as 0.5s, when, when we first talked about this segment and we decided this was generally going to be the structure, off the top of my head, I was like, I wonder what I've ever given a 0.5 to. I know it's not much because I tend to like to think positive about my games. And the only game I thought I had given a 0.5 to, but I didn't, and I won't go into why now, is Dead Island. Because mm-hmm. I did not like that game very much. Exactly. But I did not. So we don't have any cause to talk about it today. So again, no further details. And then um, at some point when I was explaining to L, like, oh, this is a segment we're going to be recording. I- I- I've only actually rated one game a 0.5. And he went, was it Yaris? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so again, no details given as to the whys. Maybe those games will come up later. But just wanted to throw those out there that y- we have these impressions of how we view things. And sometimes time sort of modifies how we feel. But my one actual game on TA that's rated a 0.5 is um, a, a little gem in the Z2Z community, at least back in the day, if you're familiar with that, called Turtles Quest. Mm. Yeah. Have, have either of you had any experience with Turtles Quest at all? I have never had the pleasure. Yeah, I'm sorry to say I've never had the misfortune either. I've heard of it. It's, it's one of those legendary, terrible, so bad it's almost good games. And that's, that's possible. So it was a Windows only game that I believe was developed by like, maybe like a father and son or the father developed it for his child or or something like that. Like there was kind of like a cute story behind the game. But to my earlier point, it was basically unplayable to the point where I couldn't do pretty much anything. Now, it was noted for being pretty easy. It's only got an 1125 TA score for 1000 TAD. It's a one to two hour game. According to True Achievements, I played it for 34 minutes, and that's because I couldn't do anything. The game stuttered and stammered so bad on my laptop that it was I, I couldn't do very much. So I started it, and I thought, okay, that's okay. I'll come back around to it, except for that at some point, the game got pulled from the store and then was re-uploaded, but with no more achievement support. So it's it's... <sighs> Done. You mean you mean it failed to pass Microsoft's rigorous uh, yes. <laughs> uh, quality control process? They said, "Oh, this game is so bad it doesn't deserve achievements." Yeah, it, it was it was bad. I mean, even the the 
lead review on TA when you look at the game page, uh, the first sentence is usually what they feature. And it says, this is absolutely without doubt the worst Xbox Live enabled game of all time. So good news for Turtles Quest. It's no longer Xbox Live enabled. So it has yeah. a whole other realm to conquer. The thing is, with, with the games that are out these days, it would probably nestle quite nicely amongst uh, quite a lot of the not so great games out there. Or is it? Is it just so bad? Even the people who complain about rats and zits and all of that stuff—is this another level? Well, that's the caveat I want to give the game. Is it's it's possible that my hardware was somewhat at fault? That maybe because this was not the Surface I use currently. It was a previous one that I'd received from someone else as a tech upgrade when they were moving on to a new ones. This was some time ago, uh, and it's possible again that it was just my laptop because I'm trying to be generous. But I don't think so. You, you kind of expect a what a single developer amateur indie game to not be <laughs> made to require the most you know advanced technology to play you it. Kind of hope it just runs on a toaster. You know, if you were to come back and said like, "Hey, Fallout Four just didn't work on this laptop," I'd be like, "Okay, yeah, that makes sense." But a game called Turtle Quest made by a single dude. Right. And, and again, I could be incorrect about that. Like, you know, I, this is just me working off my memory. I probably should have done more research about the game itself. But I mean, it does say that it works. It needs to be on a 64-bit operating system. So it, it required more than 32. So I guess it was ambitious or something. I don't know enough about the tech to understand it. But what I do know is I ran around the game for a half hour. And in that half hour, I did get achievements. So it wasn't like I got nothing out of Turtles Quest. I did get about half the list done. Um, but... I'm stuck there forever and ever and ever. Like in my head, the only game I can think of that's even remotely comparable, but I didn't play it, which is why I don't have a rating, is I think there was um, another Windows 8 game called Disney's Underwater Treasures or something. It was like a Little Mermaid, like Seek and Find kind of game. Mm -hmm. And it came out with three achievements and it was supposed to have DLC that had lists activated, but then the DLC never came out. So it's another thing where it just is permanently locked and... Off the top of my head, I know there are other things that have been discontinued for server reasons, but where like the entire list is just gone. So do, does that factor into your rating at all? So if if you had managed to get through the game and complete it, and if it had maybe not been delisted, but it was still the steaming pile that it is, would you have still given it a 0 0.5? Or does the fact that it you know got pulled and relisted without achievements, does that kind of lend an extra you know, twist the knife off the off the star rating. That's an excellent question, because I think it is telling that in thinking of a 0.5 game without having looked at what I rated a 0.5 historically, the fact that this game didn't enter my consciousness at all probably means that there like, again, mostly the biggest problem for me is that I, I really couldn't play it. It, it just it stuttered mm -hmm. really badly. So I, I couldn't really do very much. And the game was practically unplayable uh so i think the achievements do factor in somewhat negatively but i don't think when i gave it a 0.5 that mattered because i don't think the achievements had been deactivated yet mm -hmm. i just think that i wasn't enjoying it and that's as as we talk more about ratings and what they mean uh i think for a lot of us ratings exist in sort of two spheres there's the rating I would give it if I was writing a review for it for a website or something like that, and the rating I would give it based just on how I felt about the game. Mm -hmm. And those might be different. I, I think mm -hmm. in this case, they'd be similar, because, again, lack of playability. But uh, I don't think the achievements or lack thereof factored in. But as I'm talking about it now, with the 
benefit of having that knowledge, it does factor in. Hmm. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. But that's it. I mean, 1.5, I've had like 1,100 games on my tag. I have not rated them all. And, and again, I'm sure that is something we will discuss at more length at some point, like why we've chosen to rate some things or not. But out of 1,100 games, uh, the only thing, the only game to have gotten a 0.5 being this one, that's okay. That's not a, a bad ratio of, of playable games. But you should see the ones. <laughs> oh, that's next time. Next time. It's it's a uh, one thousand ninety eight ones and uh, what <laughs> just one and Psychonauts two with a five point oh <laughs> yeah, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's all you got. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because um, I'm quite rigorous about my rating. Uh, is you know every single game that I have completed has been rated, and every single game that I consider kind of done with. So. Like I've done the storyline, I've done most of the achievements, maybe I haven't completed yet. They have also all been rated. So I'm quite rigorous in making sure I, I rate everything. But but looking at people's collections, that is not true of a lot of people. <laughs> well, I you know, I do have some commentary on that, but I think that commentary will actually uh, be better served if I wait until we get mm-hmm. to Devin's turn uh, at this round table, because it yeah. kind of fills in with some of uh, of what he might be talking about. So I'm going to mm. save some of that commentary. There's also a whole probably other episode of The Unrated and why we didn't go for Oh, that. absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> that what that means to us. So yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to step in there because uh, I feel like it's a natural kind of segue to go from your single 0.5 rating, Michelle, mm-hmm. to my single 0.5 rating. Uh, Y'all so are I, lucky. I'm quite a, yeah, I mean, I, it's, not, it's not bad. I mean, so, I mean, like, okay, so the conversation has gone recently on the podcast and in the Discord uh, or the debate that, that can you have a perfect game? can you have a a 10 out of 10 or a 5 out of 5 and some people say it's not possible because nothing is perfect other people say well just Corey's you know (laughs) some some people you people (laughs) that's a rocker Uh, and my like like ninth grade English teacher that are telling me you can't have a perfect score you know and and other people say well look five is just what it it means to you this is the best game or one of the best games you think is possible you're not saying it's perfect you're just saying it is an exemplar of Mm -hmm. the genre or you know your feelings at the time and if you say nothing is a five then you may as well say 4.5 is a five because that you're saying that one is your best version of Mm -hmm. the games anyway it kind of does work for me though but on the flip side i've got lots of fives and i'm quite a generous rater and the worst I had ever rated a game, and I've been rating for years, was was always a one. And I don't have even that many ones. I'm quite kind on people, on developers. And this is kind of because I've always taken the, the perspective, and it's true of, of films and media in general, in that I'm just always hugely impressed that someone created something and put it out there <laughs> And people got to consume it, you know, play it, watch it, whatever it is, because that is a huge effort. And it's something that that millions of people have tried to do or wanted to do and not been able to do. So the fact that someone got over that line to me says, you know, great job. Well done. You did a thing. (laughs) Now, it may be a terrible thing. And if it is terrible, I'll give it a one. 
but I feel like there's something in the back of my head that always says, but I don't want to go lower than that because I'm just impressed you got there. I'm impressed you did that thing. And it feels mean-spirited to go below that level. Okay. That was <laughs> until... <laughs> but wait. <laughs> I played a game last year called Another Dawn. And I have actually spoken fairly extensively about this game uh, on level 146. Uh, Wackapel and I, uh, having seen it on sale uh, and being quite fans of weird, not very good, not very much played, low rated games, decided we would both play it and then talk about it on the podcast. Those are all adjectives that really sell a game to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I can't imagine why this isn't a million seller when you put all of those words in front of it. I'll buy 10. I'm, uh, it's true of films. I, lo- I love terrible exploitation, uh, you know, poorly made rip-off mm-hmm. B-movies. I just love them. They're so bad, they're good movies. Okay. Uh, but usually that's because there is an entertainment factor in their badness uh, or their attempts to be good whilst being very, very bad. Um, and yeah, if you want to hear me talking very extensively about this game, go to level 146. But I will give you a summary and I'll tell you specifically why it's a 0.5 and not a 1 alongside all of those other games. So Another Dawn is, it's a first person shooter. It's a Far Cry ripoff made by, uh, I think, a very small development team, but one that has made other games. Other games that are similarly awful, like Alison's Diary Rebirth. Ugh. Yes. Okay. But even that wouldn't get a 0.5 from me. It is probably the most generic game I could possibly imagine. It's like they basically made a game out of stuff that they got on a humble bundle, I think. (laughs) So so they took all of the most generic, uh, you know, island adventure assets and just threw them into a game without, I think, any due thought or consideration to how things looked, where they should be. It's the laziest game I can possibly imagine. Every single element of that game is just, I think, a that'll do mentality. Yeah? So, oh, let's just make an island. That'll do. Let's just shove some some buildings over there, a beach over there, some boxes over there, and some baddies over there. That'll do. Oh, let's put some uh, guns in. Okay, let's just get some generic guns and some generic gun sounds that sound really awful. Uh, That'll do. Every single element of it is just meh, lazy, lazy, can't be bothered. Let's not try very hard. And even that wouldn't make it a 0.5. There are plenty of games like that. There are plenty of games that kind of seem a bit like meh, a bit lazy, a bit barely thought through. It's also extremely glitchy and extraordinarily buggy and basically broken. Uh, Every single mechanic in the game barely functions from stealth and sneaking to shooting. The AI can somehow spot you from literally 100 miles away. Um, And it has a survival mechanic that serves literally no purpose in the entire game. It is so poorly thought through. You could take the entire thing out and the game would benefit from it right they've added in a survival mechanic that makes the game somehow worse it's the core it should be a core element of the game it's a survival game but all it is is sometimes you might have to drink some water and sometimes you might have to eat some food and that's it There's, there's nothing more to it than that and you just end a level and it resets anyway it's pointless 
when I played this game, and it's an easy game, it's something you can do in one to two hours, I had to replay the entire game because in the last level, the game forgot that I had a key card that I needed to progress. Oh, no. And there was literally no way of being able to go back and get it. I had it, and then suddenly I just didn't have it anymore. I couldn't reload an earlier save, so I had to replay the game from the beginning. Oh, no. So, okay, and, and that, that could have made me go, I, I'm throwing it in the bin, it's a 0.5. I probably still would have just given it a 1. But everything, all things considered, I got this sense throughout the entire game of just building resentment towards the developers. <laughs> because, like I said... When somebody makes something and they put it out there and they get it across and people enjoy it or they hate it or whatever it is, I still think, yeah, job well done. You tried a thing. You made a thing. But in this case, I just feel like it's a cash grab. I feel like they deliberately went out of their way to make something that was lazy and barely functional and just put it out there to make some money. And the reason I think that is because they have the gall to put this short one to two hour game that is the ugliest, barely playable, dysfunctional mess of a game at twenty dollars. Yikes. Okay. Like oh. if they had put if they had put this game across at the five dollar price tag it deserves, alongside so many other, you know, terrible indie games, it would have got a one alongside so many of them but the fact that they have the gall to put such a broken lazy ill-considered game at that offensive price tag that is what in my mind gives it a 0.5 wow it's what you said a 0.5 is something that is offensively bad mm-hmm. and to me that just goes that takes it from being bad to offensively bad so do, would you say that the price of a game matters or factors into the rating that you would give a game ordinarily i probably wouldn't even have thought about it and i wouldn't have even noticed i just for this one it stood out to me because i've played a lot of indie games and i've also played a lot of overpriced indie games but i don't remember any being quite so bad and also quite so relatively expensive it stood out to me so it, it yes in this case it did um Maybe I'm being over harsh. Am I? Am I being over harsh? No, no. no and that's <laughs> that's. We're going to go back to this over and over again. But at the end of the day, re- reviews are subjective. You know that there are certain objective mm. measures you can use to help you come up with a number. Yeah. There's always going to be that intangibles wiggle room that eventually solidifies what your final say is going to be. In summary, my my takeaway is: How dare they? think that this game that they made is deserving of that price tag because they can't have even tested it it is so broken from the very first minute you play it and they would have known that because they must have you know played it themselves i'd imagine and they would have thought "Mm, it's broken it's terrible it'll do let's put it out there for 20 dollars and see how much money we get that that's literally the the conversation i think they had yeah i mean i I got to say, I I remember vaguely a discussion about the game because, like you said, you spoke about it on the podcast, but that was already nine, ten months ago. It was some time. And otherwise, there was nothing about this game in my consciousness. So when I pulled it up, pulled up the game page on uh, on TA to kind of review it and look at what it is, I don't think I've 
I cannot think off the top of my head. I am sure it exists. But I don't know that I've ever seen a game where the average rating from the community was below a one. Yeah, 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 it is. It is one of the lowest rating rated games. So I'm not alone in my in my disdain for this one. It's a zero point seven seven. Unfortunately, the rating uh, sorting in TA is is broken. Mm-hmm. Right. So Doesn't you work. can't yeah. actually you can't actually sort by rating to see all of the games at a certain uh, level and if it is truly the lowest. But I have a feeling like this is this is right down there. Must be. Now, it sounded like, Devin, you've played Allison's Diary. Oh, yeah. And, Chewie, have you played it as well? Uh, yes. Okay. I try, I try to. I haven't completed it. So, it's terrible. <laughs> okay, so I, I kind of had a question for both of you. Now, Devin, since you've played the game, but you have not played Another Dawn, are there things that sound sort of similar? Yes. Like, you get yeah. that sense? Yeah, this was... Uh, Allison's Diary Rebirth was uh, made super cheap i don't even know if i've if i were i to rate it i assume i would have probably rated it pretty low because it just it follows the same sort of like yeah all right we did it Uh, that's fine (laughs) Uh, yeah we made a horror game but yeah i didn't rate it that's a 1.02 and it's yeah it's not much better it's probably the lowest average uh score for a developer across ta i'd have to imagine they have Mm -hmm. a 0.77 and a 1.02 uh, but Chewy, now you said you played, but you said you hadn't finished it. Alice's Diary, mm, yeah. Was it just so bad that it hit? Because that says it's a uh, zero to one hour completion. Was it? It, it can be, but it okay. also features um, a wonderful uh, a mechanic of randomly appearing enemies mm-hmm. and instant death. Oh, good. So what happens is in that game is you you sneak around an area. Um, the first level is a haunted house. The second level, I think, is like a an old, I don't know, like a town. It's a, um, a hospital, and then there's hospital. A yeah, yeah, like a mental hospital. I haven't. Yeah, so I, I finished the first level, but um, what happens is enemies will appear suddenly, and you have to shine your torch on them to kill them. But they can also appear behind you. Yeah, uh, and kill you before you've even turned around. And you turn so slow. <laughs> yeah so i played the first level af- i completed the first level after i think more deaths th- than i could care to count um, certainly more than an hour's worth of playing it uh so then quickly and then i think the second level i got about halfway and then died and then just threw it away i, I will come back to it but okay so have you rated it yet no i i okay. have a i have a rule that i will only rate things once i've got a certain amount out of them okay so completed them as it were so now that we're here though and i am talking about it uh we will uh yeah 0.5 on that one (laughs) (laughs) but but, like even even if you pressed me to a rating i probably would still give it a one uh for a couple of reasons one it's it's half the price of another dawn so you know they're not being greedy uh, as greedy anyway and the other is that um they make a, an attempt in that one at, at atmosphere and I guess some kind of storytelling. I think it's fairly nonsensical. It's it's the best story that Google Translate could pump out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that gets to the crux of my question is, uh, you know, where, where would you place that game and why would that get the nod over uh, mm-hmm. over another dawn? But it, yeah, it sounds like you mm-hmm. already... I, th- I think in the same way that potentially the game Turtles Quest being unplayable and delisted for you, mm-hmm. potentially affecting your choice, 
the, the price point for me is what tips another dawn into the 0.5 because it's just greedy yeah that's fair <laughs> that sums it all up so now i've got that out of my system <laughs> Devin. Yes. Uh, what what does 0.5 mean to you and what game do you think you want to talk about to represent that rating? So unlike you guys, I actually have a lot. Uh, well, I, I have a, a list, actually, of 0.5 games. Um, so 0.5 games are aggressively bad. Um, and uh, it's interesting that you brought up, I, I was kind of waiting for this, uh, that like ah oh, they did it and they tried and they they released it because in my opinion uh, that's great that you did it and you tried and if you did it for free I would be much more lenient to you but as soon as you're starting to charge money for your stupid glitchy mess is the moment that I start really like because you know it, it's hard times daddy we gotta get you know <laughs> like money is hard. To, to come by you know some for some folks i i used to watch this comic book reviewer and he would say that you know every comic book might potentially be someone's first comic book mm-hmm. so you have to treat it as though somebody is just getting into it and they don't know and and think about how some of these games would would make that person feel if they were the first person to get it um so a lot of my list here is just mountains of trash um from when i used to just do they, you know, broken in one way or another. Ugly would be a good... Uh, there'd be a lot of, like, really ugly-looking games with, like, terrible sound, terrible... St- like, just every... Like, there's no reason for you to do it if it wasn't for Gamerscore. There's no reason for you to spend your money on that. There's better things for you to do. Except, uh, there's one game on here <laughs> that is different. One of these things is not like the others. Uh, and that is Conan Exiles. Conan Exiles is a real game. That's an yeah, actual very game. Much so. <laughs> it is an actual honest to God thing that people spent time and You just don't like digital boobies. Uh well that's actually uh didn't work. Surely that gets surely <laughs> that gets an extra star point. No, it didn't work. Otherwise it probably <laughs> would have. But I tried. I legitimately tried. I was like, well, I want to see some digital boobies. None. None. And you know, I like giant boobs. That's why I hang out with Elle so much. So for those of us who <laughs> did not play Conan Exiles uh, and are just working on inference here, I'm guessing there was some kind of code or Easter egg or something you can do to reveal giant boobies in the game. Is that what you're all referring to? Or You just start out buck naked. Okay. Um, but like they gave you uh, in the console versions after a while because people were getting banned on Mixer and all kinds of stuff because you know nudity they they were just like okay you can have this because you start out like well you have literally nothing and you're naked and you're on this strange land survive with very little like kind of knowledge of what you're supposed to do or anything like that honestly it's also grossly overpriced doesn't work particularly great Uh, mostly this was a lot of protest too at the pr- the cost of that that DLC, mm. okay. Which the whole thing is just supremely expensive. It's a genre that I don't like. It's that survival genre where mm-hmm. you and I presume other people can be bored together <laughs> as a group. So you and all of your friends as a collective, and it's like 
basically you make like a server and you can start surviving and make your own little camps and whatever, which sounds fun, except as I found out, because I tried playing this a little bit more uh, legitimately, it doesn't do that. So I'm I'm kind of with you on that because um, my good friend uh, Lego Head is a is a big fan of survival games and, and and also Fluttery Chicken actually and they're both like going quite high on the survival leaderboards and they play any survival game uh, and they've persuaded me to try a few as well and I am not a big fan but for a very specific reason and that's because a lot of these survival games these big uh, survival games uh, your Conan Exiles your arcs um they are they do not play nicely on a console because they are death by menu overload yeah um and and systems so many systems within the game of like oh well you've got to do this and you've got to think about this and you've got to plan this and you've got to manage this and here's ten thousand menus you have to scroll through to do all of those different things and to me if I'm going to play a game like that, it's got to be on a mouse and keyboard. And even then, I don't. I prefer simplicity, and I'm a big fan of like a nice, clear, clean user experience. That's why I really like how the new Assassin's Creed games basically have like no HUD elements mm-hmm. at all. Um, I just think it's it's a much more immersive experience. So it's a big put off to me that if the first thing I see in a game is a million menus and a million different systems that I have to try and balance and remember. Uh, so I'm kind of with you on that. I probably wouldn't rate them as a 0.5 oh, as a result. But wait, but... there's more. Uh, optimization, because while the game does look fairly nice, uh, it's over 100 gigs to download Ooh. that game on a Series X. I don't understand why it takes that long. I don't understand why the load times are that long. And even when it makes a server, because I tried with some friends to make a server, it binds you to the host of the server so you can't explore too far away. Otherwise, it teleports y'all to the same spot, which seems oh. antithetical to a whole survival experience. <laughs> yeah, that's messy. <laughs> it's very disorientating uh, to try to do all of that. It's Oh, it it made me so mad. And for the princely sum of, like, I think $120 on sale, you can get all of that. I only just paid for just the DLC, just so I could complete it, which was another thing that kind of stuck in my craw, that they made, like, a $25 DLC out of nowhere. Years years after they released it, too, as well, so. Right. Which a lot of people yeah, a lot of people had done that game when it was a free-to-play weekend, I think mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, a few years later, they were like, have some DLC. <laughs> Which is a map. It's just another map. I don't know what it adds to the experience, so it felt very cra- cash-grabby. Uh, I never met Conan, zero out of five. Um, <laughs> now, I have, I have a question, actually, since we've all kind of had, I mentioned before, these sort of intangible factors that we, we all addressed like mine was the lack of achievements and and chewy with the price you mentioned specifically now the dlc that this is an issue is dlc something you would regularly consider when viewing the game or do you just look at the base game and what that presents typically generally i will look at it as a whole package based on what i started with Mm -hmm. um so um if i started a game and it had a bunch of dlc and i played it when it had that dlc I would rate it appropriately. 
if the DLC came out later, I would rate it with the DLC, like the DLC individually. Um, Because like TA has a very clunky kind of system for doing that. It's weird to say like, oh, well, this game's good by itself. But once you have the DLC, it's terrible. It's sort of It's it's especially tricky now with title updates because a lot of title updates are part of the main game as well. Like Mm -hmm. they're additional sometimes just additional achievements exactly Uh, sometimes sometimes it's additional content but if you're playing through the game it's just kind of seamlessly integrated so you wouldn't be able to separate those things out particularly unless you you came back later and and there was a new new title update yeah and as as far as i'm aware there's only like one dlc that i've ever rated like super terrible and that'd be like mad moxie Mm -hmm. for just being trash but like this is these are like aggressively bad games or I, I try not to do things out of protest. I do have one that's like, I'm rating this bad out of protest. This is this is terrible practices. But yeah, Conan Exiles just stuck in my craw for a lot of reasons. It's all like, it's never one major thing. It's a combination of factors. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, have you ever listened to accident stuff or like uh, plane? I listen to podcasts about plane crashes. There's never one thing that causes a plane crash, right? It's a it's a dozen right. tiny accidents that all just sort of pile into it to to make a giant mess, and and that's kind of what happened here uh, with a lot of these. There's like a, a dozen little things that all add up to disaster and just a waste of money, time, effort. And and that's the point five experience for me. That's 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 a good takeaway. I like that. <laughs> a bunch of a bunch of tiny accidents all piling up. <laughs> I I think that is fair, but I I don't I think in the interest of time we're not going to go through and read because we don't want to set a precedent no. of like all right now read all no, of your no, two point no. fives. That's a terrible no, idea. No. We're, we're, no. we're picking we're we're picking we're mainly going to pick a game unless there's a theme uh, right. involved uh, with with all of them or a group of them. I think uh, yeah, uh, but feel free to check out our collections and what we have rated and what 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 uh, Devin has rated else as his zero point fives. I had alluded to something though earlier. I'm sorry to derail you a little bit, mm-hmm. Chewy, um, with regard to. Devin's point fives and and a thought I have generally about rating things. So again, not going into everything, but there are a couple of games on your list uh, that I I've played and I know I've rated not super well, but significantly higher than point five. Uh, and these in this case would be awesome P and Birthday of Midnight. And I I guess the question I had is for a lot of these, and this is for both of you, for a lot of those easy, Radalika Zidalon games, they're like. We don't really get to play them that much. Actually, I don't think I've rated them higher. I don't know that I've rated them at all because we spend so little time in those games. Those two are probably not the best examples because they take a little longer. Well, but you I was beat just curious. P. You do actually beat that game. <laughs> yes. But I'm just curious generally as we move forward because we're probably not going to talk about those games a whole lot. What is your take? Like, How much time do you need to spend in a game to I know Chewy, you mentioned before you have sort of a a method you use, mm-hmm. but I, I see a lot of these games that's like fifteen minute completion two point five. Like, how did you rate it on that fifteen minute completion? You didn't play the game, so so just what what are your thoughts? Like, how much of a game do you have to play before you feel like you're actually ready to attach a star figure to it? I think because so. We're, t- we're talking about the ratings on TA. Correct. So I think that we, in my perspective, I have to put it through the lens of the achievements and the completion of the game according to the achievements. Um, by which I mean 
the developers have said, this is how much we want you to play of the game in mm-hmm. order to complete the achievement list. So I feel comfortable to say, well, if that's how much you want me to play of it, that's how much I'll play of it in order to decide whether I like the game or not. And I'll rate it accordingly. Okay. Um, and I think for the most part, unless it's a game like Avatar, where you literally only see the first couple of minutes of the game and you don't go any further than that. Most of them, even the 15 minutes ones, I think you probably see enough of the game to get a good sense of what it's trying to do. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine with those games, because Mm -hmm. for the most part, it's just going to be more levels of the same stuff, I'd imagine. Uh, unless it goes completely off on a wild tangent and, you know, Daggerhood suddenly becomes, you know, an open world <laughs> RPG after those first few levels of playing it. Well, you um, wouldn't know if that key card you got in level one glitched out on you at the very end if you only played the first 15 minutes. It's true. You know, and I think it's fair to say it's not fair. I think it's fair to say that it's not fair to rate a game based on those first 15 minutes in general. But mm-hmm. I will say through the lens of TA and through the lens of the fact that we're talking about achievement lists and completions and rating games on an achievement and comp- uh, achievement website that I can rate based on my experience completing that game. Okay. List. I think, you know, when you get there, I think there's a certain point um, where you just sort of get the, the picture. I don't, you know, I have like your toy on there. I don't know how much time I've put on there, but there, you know, I knew by about 20 minutes in exactly what kind of experience that you're going to get, especially with some of the bad ones. It, it, it's, it's more when it hits me or when that, the, it has to leave me with a really strong opinion. I'm not the kind of person mm. to like, Oh, I played it for 15 minutes, 2.5. It has to leave me with something. Mm. Uh, and I have to have a longer experience. If I complete the game, and I don't, and I'm left with nothing. I'm I'm more likely to just say it's to not do anything with it, to leave it alone. Uh, they have to leave me with something. <laughs> I think I think I think that's true as well. I think that if I played a game for 15 minutes and it was really really bad, I'm more likely to rate it a one mm-hmm. just based on that 15 minutes. But I would never rate a game five out of five. Uh, unless I had really got everything out of it to really feel like I could justify giving it the best rating possible because it's always completely possible that you think this game is absolutely amazing for 20 hours of it and then in the last hour they completely ruin the ending or whatever and it yeah. just mm-hmm. you think oh no it's not quite worth that five just didn't uh, stick the landing the, yeah yeah exactly um but but on the flip side if a game is really like aggressively bad uh very early on i think it's easier to say yeah that that's a low rating yeah sticking with it there's there's a very little chance to have a to have a second impression on those kind of things too like yeah you'll know like when it's bad you'll know and if it's like 15 minutes and it was relatively all right well then i'm probably just gonna leave it be that's yeah even if it was a good 15 minutes i you know it's hard to give something a four (laughs) well yeah Unless it's so. a game, I guess, like, and not that I'm suggesting it deserves uh, a four, but like a game like Refunct, where it's actually designed to be completed in eight minutes, or less than two, I think is one of the achievements, and less than four. But yeah, there aren't many games where that's the design of it is really to be that small a package. Cool. Uh, so, thanks, guys, uh, for sharing your feelings about 0.5s and the games that, that made it <laughs> to that lowly rating. 
I thought we would take a bit of time at the end here to also do some shout outs to the community. So as I mentioned mm-hmm. at the top of the show, uh, I went uh, digging into people's collections to see what gems people had potentially put down at the low, low rating of 0.5. And there was a gen- there's a general theme, okay? A lot of people have put visual novels, uh, some of the kind of the rats and the zits that I think people feel quite strongly negative about in particular are down there. Your toy featured quite mm-hmm. a lot. The one you also put there, uh, Devin. Yeah. Uh, Caret- <laughs> Caretaker. I think you also had a 0.5. That one yep. featured <laughs> featured quite regularly down at the bottom. North is another one uh, that people seem quite strongly uh, to feel is uh, worthy of that 0.5. Uh, but there was a few, there's, there's a few people out there who have put some games that I might not expect uh, 0.5 so I, I'm just going to pull out a couple that stand out to me and, and feel free guys to also kind of shout out any that you've noticed uh, but I'm going to I'm going to call out um, Mr. Big L here because <laughs> on his 0.5 list and I'm not sure if it's just because he doesn't re- know what he's doing uh, maybe he's a bit fat <laughs> he, he needs to be on carried the, on the rating the <laughs> system but he he, he gave uh, Halo 3 ODST a 0.5 okay shocker maybe uh but he also gave red dead redemption the first red dead redemption a 0.5 and i find that hard to i find that hard to believe <laughs> uh i don't think he's even really finished it <laughs> so uh i'm I'm gonna think that that must be a mistake i i mean i'm gonna guess that's to raise eyebrows as much as anything uh i don't know that l's done a whole lot in it and i think like many of us who participate in random to-do list, that's one of those games that sort of suffered from him, for him from appearing and then playing a little bit here and a little bit there and not viewing it as sort of a cohesive, you know, one singular playthrough kind of thing. I'm mm. wondering if ODST might have to do with the experience of trying to get the Endure achievement, which it's one of those things, if either of you have tried it, where once oh, you yes. finally Did get it, it it's yeah. amazing. It but, uh, took me about a year of trying. Right. The, the, <laughs> exactly. The amount of time you put into it to fail. And it's one of those achievements. Uh, and in case anyone listening is not familiar with Endor, it's it's uh, basically you have to fight multiple waves of enemies and you have to make it through a certain number of waves to get this achievement. And the waves get increasingly more difficult and you only have so many lives. So one, And the lives are shared in a pool with the party, if I recall correctly. Um, but mm. I, I think like many achievements that are attached to something like that, the first, if it takes you an hour and a half to do it, the first hour and 10 minutes are simple. So you're just sleepwalking through it. And then it's those last 20 minutes where it gets really intense and you fail at like one hour and 28 minutes in. And I'm wondering if it might have something to do with that part of the experience. Because Halo 3 ODST, I think for a lot of people is kind of divisive anyway. I don't think many people give it a 0.5. I don't think many people give it a five, but it's it's sort of in the middle there somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I, I that achievement can color you on it, and maybe you know if you rate it before you got the achievement after a really bad <laughs> session, you know he rage he rage rated it maybe well. maybe yes. maybe I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I also noticed uh, Gears Pop featured a couple of times mm-hmm. in people's lists as well. Wacker and Chip, uh, and I think Jim Bot <laughs> all gave Gears Pop. Uh, a 0.5 which yeah. i assume is because of uh, uh, similar to my another dawn uh, greedy uh business practices and uh sh- shafting the community uh is probably uh lead it led to those ratings mm-hmm. uh, i would like to call out fufu cuddly boof who yeah. rated scott pilgrim a 0.5 and i'd like to call him out because i played the game with him 
and I experienced him disliking the game. So I can vouch for the fact that this was not a, a rage rating. This was not a, uh, you know, he's doing it again just to get eyeballs, that kind of thing. He legitimately hated his time with the game. And, and he was playing with myself, with Ellen, with Prue. Uh, so, you know, two out of the three of us weren't so bad. And he still hated it. Like, he just, he did not like that experience. So I don't get it, but he was unhappy. Now, would you say that if he had played the game with anyone else, he might have given it a different <laughs> I said two out of the three of us weren't bad. No, I, I, he really, he's not into beat-em-ups anyway, mm-hmm. and just did not like the experience. Speak, speaking of beat-em-ups. <laughs> oh, and Mario, Skeptical Mario, <laughs> yeah. you know where I was going with that, who rated yeah. TMNT Arcade a 0.5. Come on, and, man. And that's just like... <laughs> Maybe it didn't age well. I do understand. And that's something when we're talking about ratings too. Like, do you rate the game based on the time, the frame of time in which it was a thing? Do you rate it based on now? Especially with a game like this where it was a re-release of a classic game. Yes, it was the 1989 game, but this was released, I think, in 2007 or 8, maybe, on Xbox Live Arcade. With no real modifications Mm -hmm. or anything. So is it fair then to say, look, we have these other better beat-em-ups now i i don't agree i think the game holds up but maybe some of that is just affection from playing it years Mm -hmm. ago but that those those two really stood out to me and maybe it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of they're not beat-em-up guys and that's fine it's interesting because there's also quite a few triple a games that people are rated at this low level so so obviously the ones that element we mentioned for l there but you know i don't think i could ever really rate a triple a game a 0.5 because as much as i might dislike a game there's probably enough good in there to at least give it a, a middling rating, right? That the, mm-hmm. you know, graphics, sound production, there's so many things going on in there that would make it hard for me to to really put it down at the, the bottom. Uh, North gave Dying Light and The Division zero point five. Yeah, Logic Slayer gave Call of Duty two and three. I was going to call 5. that up. Yeah, Call of Duty two and three cannot be that bad. Like, come on, man. I I mean, I remember really enjoying those on the PC. I liked Call of Duty when it was a World War II game before it became what it is today. Uh, Dude, bro shooter. Well, and these are are things where we couldn't know we don't know what motivated people to put those ratings yeah. down that's why it's Sometimes, fun to call them out and not, right. and not give them and, the well, opportunity to respond <laughs> i don't know if this is practical but no we we could possibly if people listen and you want to respond to this and you want to give us a why we could possibly do a quick shout at the beginning of the next segment mm-hmm. to give people a chance at redemption no, no, not we, red dead redemption calling them out but we're redemption. calling them out and we're <laughs> let them stew in their juices yep. inigo montoya and your sniper elite 3 0.5 syndicate yeah. syndicate 0.5 yes, Hawkeye right. Barry with, yeah. with the pot with the with the uh universally hated dark souls now, see, dark souls <laughs> is a marmite game and it's a love it or hate it game for the yeah. most part. But is it a 0.5? <laughs> I don't know. I don't well, know. that's for reasons you mentioned, right? It clearly has development and has quite a bit mm. of attention and care made to it. For me, though, Hawkeye Berry's bigger issue isn't Dark Souls. It's the fact he rated both of the Telltale Sam and Max games 0.5. Oh, come on, man. Come on, Those man. games are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there are a couple things, too, that, um, like, Eruteric 
rated game room a 0.5 and i get it i believe it i get it now <laughs> yeah. i i i played mm-hmm. game room i finished game room i like i you know you yeah that, and that that's uh, props to you on that one that is a big thing to do yeah that's yeah. That but, a gross completion but that's the thing game room uh, it's totally fairly rated as a 0.5 when you're looking at it as game room the hub that took your money to play all of these other arcade games that were actually pretty fun to play. Although I think some of them weren't emulated so great. So I thought that was interesting because again, mm-hmm. I get it, but it's not really the game itself because game room itself was not a game. It was just like mm-hmm. a, a hub space for these arcade games. And then I also thought interesting that Lego head gave the connect fun labs games 0.5, because again, I don't, think that that's wrong but those were more like tech demos almost mm-hmm. where there are these little mm-hmm. like bite-sized versions of, of different things that the connect could possibly see you do and that's a whole other discussion about connect tracking and all that sort of stuff and yes they had achievements attached but these were things that the connect fun labs games really should have been released as free to play no achievements attached here just see how connect works i yeah. think more than they should mm-hmm. have been released as games so don't disagree with a 0.5 rating but find it interesting that that's what they were given Mm. There's also a theme in his rating that uh, he seems to very much dislike games that are based around uh, media franchises, TVs and movies. <laughs> Lost, Jumper, X-Men, Aragon and Superman Returns all got 0.5s. Lost and wasn't all- that bad. <laughs> Lost wasn't that bad. It was, it it's not great. good. But, no, it's not no. bad. But, but also Freaky uh, had a similar vibe with his uh, Where the Wild Things Are, Golden Compass and Wally mm-hmm. uh, 0.5s as well. So Chip put uh, Telltale Poker Night. It's just know, poker. Yeah, and, and it, it's not just poker. It's poker with hilarious characters yeah. being fun and, yes. and hilarious. It's but it's but, so like, it's but at the end of the day, it's just poker. There you is can't. there is an annoying achievement in Telltale Poker that is entirely luck based, and yeah. I could imagine if you spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours trying to get that single achievement, that could very much erode your enjoyment of that game. You got Borderlands stuff. I've, I mean. I find it more interesting, though, from Chip that he gave Trials of the Blood Dragon a 0.5. Mm. I haven't played it myself, but I seem to remember when that came out, like, people were pleasantly surprised by it, not like, this is garbage. I think he was a fan of this, the Trial series, and I think it just severely disappointed him, is the vibe oh, I okay. got out of that. Yeah, because that's interesting. That I think I think if you're a big fan of a series and a game comes out that you feel isn't justifiable as part of that series Mm -hmm. like it it, it takes away from the series in some way i think you're going to be harsher on it than you might do if it was a standalone thing i think that's true of like uh let's think uh like the assassin's creed games like if you really really disliked the like assassin's creed pirates or something yeah the mobile game the altair game i mean that that's 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 a steaming pile but i think it's an extra steaming pile because you think it shouldn't get the assassin's creed game actually i'll tell you what one game that showed up quite a lot forza street yeah Mm. so similarly if you love forza you love forza horizon you love uh, forza motorsport forza street is uh, uh like it doesn't deserve the name and I think people, and especially because it's a microtransaction fest and, you know, they took the servers down just recently, you know, the whole thing is, is a mess. Right. But I think people are going to rate it even harsher because they had the gall to call it a Forza game. Yeah, I think if they were my, Miami Street, no one would have cared. Mm-hmm. Right. But no one would have played it either. 
Sure. And that's <laughs> fair enough. That's a long-standing thing in games to just mm. slap the franchise title onto something that's at best like a tangent to it because people will buy stuff with that mm-hmm. title that they might not have otherwise bought. One 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 point I I wanted to pick up as well was that going through everyone's lists, you know, some people had no zero point fives at all, and some people didn't rate anything below a two. Um, you know, interesting. Uh, so so you know, similar kind of generous raters out there. Someone people aren't willing to kind of drop below that. Uh, but if people did have zero point fives, they usually had a few, maybe a dozen at most. Jimbot UK had. 37 0.5s. He is not a fan of quite a lot of games. He, he, he is a serial rater. He rates a lot of games. So, you know, proportionally, maybe it kind of evens out, but I think he's a little bit more harsh uh, than most. Uh, he gave a lot of, uh, like, adventure walking sims 0.5, so I don't think he's a fan of those. Things like Beyond mm-hmm. Eyes, uh, Among the Sleep, Nero. Uh, but also, like, puzzle games like Threes, which I know Threes is... Not the easiest of completions. It's uh, not that bad. <laughs> impossible, potentially, unless you've got a solver. And I did that not get taken down as well? Uh, it did, yes. Line. Because it was part of the snap yeah. thing that was on so, Xbox. Oh, they fixed, they fixed the snap. Oh, that's they, right. That's right. Yeah, it's possible it that was that factored removed. into his decision. Yeah. But yes, he, he, he has strong feelings about a lot of games, uh, to put them at 0.5. Well, yeah. I looked really quick, and, and Jimbot has 2,737 games on his tag. So mm. 37 out of 2,737 really isn't a terrible ratio of 0.5s, especially if he is someone who regularly rates most mm-hmm. of what he plays. Yeah. Um, so that's that's not terrible. And visual novels are one of those. Personally, I don't rate the visual novels because I've never read any of the text. Because you don't read it, yeah. <laughs> Right. I said it on fast forward. I mean, I could have missed the greatest story ever written. I would not know. So I don't feel like it's fair to stick a rating on them. But if you're rating based on things like gameplay, a visual novel has none. So I can completely understand why someone would give them a 0.5. Yeah, to me, that that kind of is partly why I would give it a low rating, because they've made a game. It's it's like, to me, it's like a speedrun achievement in an adventure game that it shouldn't be there because it takes away from the experience of the game deliberately like it's built in to say hey this game we made don't bother playing it properly and for me the fact that they take these visual novels and they add in abilities to skip the entirety of them just sit there skipping the entire dialogue Mm -hmm. even though that gives us a quick completion i don't think it should exist i think that the fact they put that in in order to say hey we made a game don't bother reading it don't bother playing it i think it deserves a low rating for that reason regardless of how good the story is because they've said we don't want you to play it well, we've given you options to not play the game <laughs> hey your money's just as green though you know <laughs> they don't care yeah, i don't know like the the history of visual novels and such but i know the 360 japanese import ones also had that ability to skip I, and i don't know why that's always been an acceptable development philosophy with visual novels to build in a, a skip function uh, like that i think it's but fair I guess to it's have just... uh, text because they have text you've already read that's right. that, yeah. or, or like or like branches you've already seen or ending or like, like whatever stuff you've already done because you might have to replay it for different endings or you might want to replay it i think it's fair to have skips there but to skip stuff you haven't even seen before just to get to the end as quickly as possible just seems just why why put that in there and see that's the kind of stuff i don't rate like the crime hoppers yeah, I, of I, the world where like yeah. never read it <laughs> just 
I did wasn't even there in the room. I just set it to go, and then I went and made breakfast. That's mm-hmm. you know, can't rate it. Okay, well, uh, we hope you enjoyed Master Raters. We will be back uh, shortly with our next episode, which will be about one-star games. Uh, in the meantime, feel free to, uh, if you've heard this uh, segment and you're interested to uh, defend your choices uh, or share your own 0.5s, the ones that we picked here were from staff and patrons uh, specifically. So if you're listening and you want to talk about your 0.5 ratings or challenge some of our own, then feel free to do so in the Discord. And explain your rationale, too. Tell us why you would rate something a 0.5. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see yeah. what other people say. Awesome. Uh, I've been Chewy on Ice. I've been Vulgar Latin. And I'm Matrark. And we are the Master Raters. I'm Wakapale, and I've checked out East Asia Soft's latest offering, Wife Quest. I can't say I expected much of it. I knew it wasn't a quick and easy completion as most other East Asia Soft games, but Kuzmoos convinced me to check it out. Wife Quest is a pixel art action platformer with some very light Metroidvania mechanics, similar to the far superior Flynn, Son of Crimson. Backtracking is not mandatory to get all of the game's 20 achievements worth 1000 game score and for now 3200 TA, but unless you die plenty and farm enemies and chests for gold as you progress, you will have to replay a few levels to get enough gold to buy everything you need in the shop for some achievements. If you explore thoroughly, you will get almost all of the gold you need as you find chests and loot enemies when you play through the story. I replayed the first level a few times for gold after completing the story as it is by far the easiest level and the easy enemies drop as much gold as the end game enemies who are much tougher. This might sound annoying as the levels are rather long but since you are much more powerful and have many more traversal options than the first time you play the level it is much faster to get through when you return to it. In White Quest, you play as the human former soldier, now farmer, Mia, whose human husband, Fernando, is harassed and or kidnapped by horny monster girls on a daily basis. There seem to be a severe man shortage wherever the game takes place. Fernando is the only male in the game. Mia is a very protective, jealous and violent wife who promptly beats up her husband's sutresses unless Fernando calls her off. One day the monster girls form an alliance to share Fernando between them and help each other fend off Mia's revenge. They successfully kidnap Fernando and Mia runs off to save him. Wife Quest carries a 16 plus age rating which is due to the suggestive themes and the completely unnecessary punishment mechanic. The big busted monster girls are all very horny in the cutscenes but it is very juvenile and there is only one instance of censored nudity. 
The writing is terrible. I admit to finding a few sight gags funny, but the writing is linguistically subpar and very repetitive. Every single scene sees one or more monster girls lusting over Fernando, being interrupted by Mia, who angrily threatens to beat the crap out of them unless they hand back Fernando. The monster girl refuses, there is a fight, followed by Mia abusing her fallen foe. When you have defeated an enemy, you can punish them by doing things such as ripping off their wings, jumping repeatedly on them or pulling their hair. You have to see each unique punishment for an achievement, but there is no other reason to punish your enemies, and there is only one punishment per enemy type, all of which are present on the final level. Despite the silly premise, terrible writing and lackluster introductory levels, I ended up actually liking Wife Quest. It gets way better after a couple of upgrades. The shield is one of the key pieces of equipment and it is very powerful. It is a bit clunky and unwieldy, but very important to master, especially during boss fights. Wife Quest is usually not very difficult, with somewhat frequent checkpoints, but there are a handful of difficulty spikes, such as extra tricky platforming sections, and the bosses put up quite a fight and might stump less skilled players. There are plenty of secrets to discover, none of which are needed for achievements, but they are usually helpful. There is only one notable missable achievement, it's for entering the shop after each level, which you'll want to do anyway as the purchasable upgrades are very useful. There's also one missable for defeating the first boss without losing all your health, but it is quite easy in magic mode, which unlocks after completing the main game, and only takes a few minutes per attempt. If you play defensively, you'll only need one attempt. In fact, I believe you can win the fight by just standing still with your shield up. The shield is not concerned by directions. Even if you get hit in the back of the head, it will shield you from harm. I'd recommend upgrading your weapon, health and magic before buying bags, potions and cosmetics as it makes the most difference in that order. If you find the game difficult, you might want to grind out some gold by replaying the first level. Wife Quest is a straightforward but difficult completion. If you enjoy a challenging action platformer and can put up with the terrible story beats and very horny monster girls, I would, to my surprise, cautiously recommend Wife Quest for its $8 asking price, but it is hardly a must play and you might as well wait for a discount. On the flip side, if you dislike difficult games, I would stay away from Wife Quest. As some parts are rather difficult, the time estimate is hard to pin down, but 6-8 to eight hours is a likely estimate for experienced platformer players. Considering the game is about very horny monster girls, it is fairly tame, with the exception of the optional punishments. Every single enemy also have massive boobs. Wife Quest is a very horny and very booby game, which I do not mind in moderation, but this game is unrelenting, which I found off-putting. But the gameplay is solid and it doesn't outstay its welcome, if you're good enough to deal with the difficulty spikes. I liked it way more than I expected, but I found Wife Quest's main selling points, extremely horny monster girls, a detraction from the overall experience. Have a nice day everyone!